If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Spreak your feet. And that started. Gemma Jade, welcome to our channel. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate that. Uh, Hugh Junnett. I know what that means, but I'm not pronouncing it the right way. How you doing, Hugh? Good to have you here. Welcome to the show. And scrolling on down. Major Lee, thank you for joining us, buddy. Good to see you. And uh, the gorgeous Jennifer P. has returned. Give us a wave, Jennifer, if you don't mind. Jello Putin, how are you, man? Nice to have you here. Belenium, good to see you. Hi, JR. And my buddy Andrew there. Nice to have you all here. Open-minded Clarity, nice to see you. The gorgeous Jenny, Andy L., welcome. Snakes, nice to have you back. Adam Lakatos, what's happening, man? Good to see you. And um, where are we? Smoking Joe, what's happening? And uh, Kurt Seltzer with a splash of lime. William Townsend, your beard is looking perfect. Stewpot, nice to have you here. Vincent Proto, thank you for coming on in and all the promos. Brad Forzy, nice to see you, my friend. Ian Herndon, Rob Maida, how are you? And uh, we're going to get going here in 10 seconds. Manitoba Becky, looking lovely tonight. I'm an Ed, paranormal, welcome to the show. Here we go. Steve Stockton's coming on up. Let's do this thing. the mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters we welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on TalkStream live revolution radio and kpnl all of our archives are free by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio dual baby the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Oh, we got an entertaining show for you tonight. Vendor and note storesman and paranormal researcher Steve Stockton has had a lifelong fascination with the strange and anomalous tales from the forests around North America, as well as his own personal encounters with the unexplained. We'll find out about those tonight. There are things in the woods that we do not know yet and lack explanations for, as Steve states. He's followed the case of six-year-old Dennis Martin, who vanished mysteriously from the Great Smoky Mountains National Park back in 1969. He's a podcaster. He's part of KPNL where we broadcast. And let's face it, people, I know you 
can't see this in Radio Land, but Steve has one incredible beard and hair combinations, and I appreciate that. Steve Stockton, it's been a while since we had you on, but man, I, I love what you do. I love your research. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on, Dave. Um, the hair and the beard's not quite up to par today. It's so hot here. The third or second day in a row of triple digits here in the Pacific Northwest. Took a shower and then went outside to kind of let things dry and just got wet again. I know that feeling. So that's why I've got my go-to-hell hat on here. I know that feeling. You know, Steve, <laughs> let's learn a little bit about you because you're a guy who has had some experiences. You're a guy who has chosen really to push yourself into learning more about these subjects that really are unexplainable. Why did you decide that this was a path you needed to take? Well, I don't know as much as that I decided the path or the path decided for me. Uh, I think it's more the, the latter sometimes. Um had my first uh, ghost encounter when I was between five and six years old, saw a full-body apparition. And then about that same time, uh, in that June, on Father's Day, 1969, Dennis Martin went missing. And I was about the same age as Dennis. I think he was a few months older than me. And that just sort of captivated me. That was the first time really got my five, almost six-year-old mind around the fact that sometimes kids can go missing and they're never heard from again. So, uh, yeah, I've followed that case since its inception, and uh, we lived only about an hour or so from the Smokies. And in my little child mind, I thought, well, you know, he could have wandered down this far. I even went out on the, the country road down where we lived on my Schwinn Stingray and looked for him in the bushes. Why'd that case hit home for you? Um, again, it was it was close to home. It was a place that I'd been. My on my mom's side, her people are from Cades Cove, and he had been to Cades Cove and had hiked up to Spence Field. That's the area where he disappeared from. And uh, I'd been all over there, even at a young age. We would always go to Cades Cove for family reunion, and it just no, it just it just captivated me. There's the three main things that I remember from childhood are the Dennis Martin case, the Vietnam War, and the Manson family. So I was marked from the get-go, I think. <laughs> that was what was on the news every night. You know, growing up, I, in, in saying that, growing up in the lower mainland of British Columbia in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a serial killer who ended up being caught, and he was a child killer named Clifford Olson. Mm -hmm. And I remember to this day this young boy named Simon. I don't know his last name, but I remember seeing his face on, on the news at night that he had gone missing. They eventually found his his body. And it's amazing how those little names, you don't know the person, but as a kid, it just affects your psyche about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I even I clipped things out of the newspaper. I've, somewhere I've still got two scrapbooks, little clippings about Dennis Martin. It was one of those things. Uh, back then, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee had two daily papers. had the Knoxville Journal, which was the morning paper, Knoxville News Sentinel, which was the evening paper. We got both, and I would scour them every day for word you know, that, that he had been found, and it never came. And that's just later on in life, I would, I would meet his father and just, you talk about a, a totally broken man. And he passed away a few years ago on Halloween, which is also my birthday. I thought about that, you know, 50 years with no closure there. That's just, I mean, the worst thing in the world, I think, that can ever happen to a parent is to bury your child, but to not even have a body to bury or know what ever happened to him. And uh, every year in Knoxville around the, the anniversary of Dennis' disappearance, they would have something special on the news, and they interviewed his father one time. And he said, 
you know, I've always thought that someday there'd be a knock at my door. I'd go to the door and there'd be a, a handsome man standing there and he'd say, can I help you? And the man would say, dad, it's me, Dennis. I've come home. <laughs> and you know, that just talk about a, a heart string tugging moment to hear him say that just, it's impossible to even imagine what you would do in a situation. There's like a case that. like that here in British Columbia where a young boy at four or five years old named Michael Dunahy, I think it's been about 25, 26 years. His parents took him to the park. They were at a ballpark for a weekend slow pitch tournament or something like that. And the boy went to play in the playground and was never seen again. And there, there's there been uh, a couple times where, you know, on those age, you know, where they take the age of a child, picture of a child, and then they age it to what the child would look like today. There's been a mm-hmm. couple of cases where they thought they had found the boy and unfortunately, DNA proved differently. But this boy vanished. Like, there is still no clues. It's still an open case. And we're yeah. going, you know. So, I mean, it's just amazing, you know. There's a, and, and you know what, Steve? There's a lot of bad out there. And and it's it's hard to talk about that because, you know, we want to deflect negativity. We want to deflect everything that goes along with that. But then there are the strange cases of people just going missing. The most famous, of course, being David Politis and his Missing 411 and Can-Am Missing Project. But there are others, like yourself, who are looking into a lot of these strange, weird cases that just do not make sense. What attracts you to this? Why do you want to look into these cases? I think it's the fact that it doesn't make sense because some of the, the disappearances are just so bizarre. And uh, I appreciate David's research and how he's kind of brought it into the forefront. And a lot of people are more aware of it now. But some of those cases go back, I mean, 1800s, 1700s. There's a lot of historical cases where people literally just vanished. Sometimes it would be as simple as maybe somebody walking ahead of a group on a trail just around the corner. And then they're never seen again, or say they forgot something in the car, need to go back, run down the trail, never see them again. So, you know, what is it? What could be out there that's taking people? There's so many different theories and so many different things. None of them really make any sense as far as scientific reasons or rational reasons, but there's something doing it. I mean, people don't just go missing, yet they do. And I'm, we're talking no trace where the dogs can't get a scent. They don't find anything. There's no evidence of a struggle like in the case of a predatory animal attack, there's no blood, no torn clothing. Um, even people that may have done themselves in, uh, I don't see how that many people could find a way to off themselves in the woods in a national park in such a place that their body could never be found. What do you think is causing a lot of these? What is your speculation? I have my own. I know many in our, our audience have their own too, but for you, what is your speculation of what is going on? Well, it's, I don't think it's any just one thing in particular. I think it's several things. There, all the theories can make sense depending on how you fit the pieces in there. Some people think it's serial killers well, or a serial killer. If it is, it's the most uh, prolific and uh, most successful serial killer ever in the fact that they haven't left any kind of forensic evidence. Uh, other people think it's uh, alien abductions. I can kind of see that. Uh, some people claim it's Bigfoot or Dogman or some similar cryptid creature. I could see that happening. Uh, one of the other popular theories is portals. People simply step through a portal and then they're somewhere else. They're in the other. And uh, there have been people that have been lost and came back, and that's almost what they described. They were just walking along, and suddenly nothing looked familiar. Everything looked different. It was kind of like where they were, but it wasn't where they were just a minute ago. And in some cases, they could even hear 
the search and rescue people or maybe even see them off in the distance. They call to them, they wave to them. It's like they can't see them either. So it's almost like an alternate reality or some sort of time slip or glitch in the matrix. And then there's the Fay theory, which is one that we talk about over on uh, my main channel, Missing Persons and Mysteries. We're up to, uh, I'm recording part four of that. Uh, if you look back into the olden times, like particularly in the Celtic countries, there was a belief in uh, the Fey folk that bordered on religion. And uh, the Fey are some nasty people. I mean, it's not this Disney-fied Tinkerbell, uh, cobblers, elves type things. These are some, some devious little creatures. And then a lot of other creatures fall under that framework of the Fey. Um, elementals, even aliens and Bigfoot and things like that can sort of fit in there if you look at all the different types of fake creatures that supposedly exist in uh, historical data, it all kind of fits in that. And that was something that uh, fairies were known to do, to uh, lead people off into the woods, lead them astray either with fairy lanterns or do something to them to mesmerize them, put them in a spell, and then they were never seen again. Or it could be simple misadventure. You know, the, it's a big, dangerous place out there. If you go out ill-equipped and ill-prepared and don't know that much about the wilderness, it's easy to, to get hurt or killed. So there's, I think it's a mixture of everything. When people go missing, we always see these teams that go out trying to find them. Sometimes there are a few. Sometimes, in the case of a child or, or the elderly especially, there's always hundreds that go out, especially children. And yet, you mentioned a lot of times, Steve, there is no trace. There is no clothing. There's no footprints. There is no evidence whatsoever. Dogs cannot pick up a scent on where the child has been. There's very few eyewitnesses to the case. You know, when you've got a case that's that's absolutely starting from nowhere, how do you build that case? How do you go about investigating it? Yeah, well, it's one of those things Charles Fort said, one measures a circle beginning anywhere. And it's kind of like this with these cases. You can take any side of it, any facet, any aspect, and just start there and then go one direction or the other and see where it leads you. Uh, some of them have, there's a lot of commonalities. People wearing red tend to go missing. You would think that'd be just the opposite. you think somebody in red would be easy to spot. But that goes back, um, I covered a case recently from the 1800s in the, Burlington Triangle, Burlington, Vermont area, where a, a college girl wearing a bright red coat just went around the corner and they never saw her again. Uh, berry fields tend to have a lot to do with it. A lot of people either go missing in or around berry patches or while actually picking berries. And there's other things about berries. I've got some stories in some of my other books about people that have had uh, paranormal or supernatural things happen while they were picking berries. So it's just well, not just into, a missing person the, thing. Get into the berry thing, because I've never heard that before. Yeah, well, if if you believe the Fae theory, uh, those berries belong to the Fae. And not only do they use them for food, but within those bushes, and, and particularly the berries that have briars, that's where they go to, uh, to mate. So you're not only uh, taking their food, you're keeping them from getting their groove on if you're in the, the berry patch there. But... Um, there's, there's just there's something about that. One of the cases in my book, two young girls are picking berries in uh, Middle Tennessee, Fentress County, back in the 1930s, and they happened to look down the hillside to a disused railroad track. One of them saw it first, and there was an old pine coffin floating along the railroad bed. It wasn't rolling on anything. It was floating above the bed, 
just passed them by. Needless to say, they dropped their lard buckets that they were picking berries in and ran the other way. But there's a lot of encounters like that where somebody, they've seen a UFO, they've seen a Bigfoot, they've seen a ghost, they've had some sort of paranormal or supernatural experience while either in a berry patch, near a berry patch, or in the act of picking berries. So, again, no explanation for it, but there are there's enough documented cases that it's not just a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence anyway. I believe in synchronicities. But um, there, there's something to the berry patches. Uh, boulder fields is another one. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times people are found in a boulder field deceased. And um, in some cases they look like they've been dropped from a great height and landed in the boulders, even though there's no great height for them to have fallen from. Well, um, one of the, the Native American tribes, uh, I think it's the Algonquins, they, have a, they believe in a creature that uh, looks like a rock that could open up and swallow you, crush you, and then spit you back out. So if a boulder were capable of doing that, when it spits you back out in with the other boulders, you might look like you'd fallen from a great height. So there's, and then that's another thing. A lot of these legends and things, it goes back to Native American times. They have a story for everything. They have stories about the Fae. They have stories about Bigfoot. Those are people that uh, they consider both those different races of people that they have been at war with and been at peace with, and now they just kind of ignore one another. What is it with Boulder Fields? And and I will tell you, I the last time that you were on this show, about a year and a half ago, where we kind of got into this, you had mentioned Boulder Fields, and we never really got into a lot of detail about it, so to speak. And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, man, my area, when you go out in the forests, and you're driving those gravel roads looking for Sasquatch prints or or wolf prints or anything like that, I cannot believe how many boulder fields there are out there. <laughs> and each time I think, oh, my God, like, is is today the day? And I've told this story. I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard me telling this story. You probably have. But in a gravel pit, that's where my good friend Mike actually went hunting for grouse and for uh, rabbits a couple, you know, about a year ago. And while he was standing in this gravel pit, which kind of, you know, you have the gravel pit that kind of rounds out and then it kind of bleeds into the forest area. And Mm -hmm. that's where he started hearing my voice emanating from the, the, the forest area. And he, and he, as he puts it, the voice wasn't coming from one uh, simple direction. It was coming from all around him. And it was, help me, Mike, help me. You know, and I'm 25 minutes away, 20 minutes away at work during my daytime mm-hmm. job. I'm nowhere near the forest. And yet he said it was my voice, clear as day, and it freaked the daylights out of him. Yeah. I've heard similar stories where somebody hears either a friend or a family member calling to them from a cave or from somewhere deep in the woods where they can't actually see uh, who it is or where it's coming from, but it sounds like, and they'll even call their name sometimes. Now that's that's getting really creepy if whatever it is out there. And again, you get into the Native American legends of uh, shapeshifters and and entities like Spearfinger. They can take on uh, the shape and, and the appearance, you know, and the sound of a loved one or anything they want to. That's uh, the uh, the Native Americans in the, the Appalachian regions, much in the old cowboy movies, they'll, they'll raise their hand up when they greet one another, you know, how, like in the cowboy movies. But that was actually a thing because um, some of those shapeshifters, like Spearfinger in particular, uh, her heart was in her hand. And if somebody had been away from the, the teepee too long or been away from the village and came back 
and you wanted to make sure it was really them and not just something uh, imitating them, you asked to see the palm of their hand. So if whatever it was refused to show you their palm and ran away or whatever, then you know that it was not your uh, grandma or sister or brother or whoever at all. So that's fascinating how some of those things that just developed into yeah. a, a common thing have basis in the supernatural or to, to prove that something was natural. Well, I had asked one of our uh, one of our elders from the First Nation community around here, kind of what what was up, because I had heard some creepy pasta stories about both the Wendigo and Skinwalkers, mm-hmm. you know, imitating people, and and their voices in the forest to try and lure victims in. And I asked him about whether or not we have them in this area. He and he was he took some deep thought, and he goes, "No, we don't have them. I've never heard about them being in our community." He goes, "But the little people who mm-hmm. walk around the forest protecting the forest, they will do so. They will uh, be the ones who try and lure in there. And sometimes they're not so nice. Have you heard about this?" Oh, absolutely! Like I said, we've covered uh the missing in the faith theory we're up to part four and uh jimma jade that was just in the chat she's our head writer over there she's written a book about the fey and and missing persons who get her on sometimes she's an expert on it um but she's found a lot of evidence there that the, the mimicry and things that they do that again the fairies you know for that. and people will kind of snicker at you if you talk about fairies and the fey and things but it's the same people that you know believe in bigfoot and ufos i don't think it's that much of a stretch no it's not, but how, here's the mystery, though, Steve. In your opinion, how do these creatures way out in the forest know what your mother sounds like or your sister or your brother or your best friend? How do they know that? Yeah, well, there's different theories on that, too, that they're just, you know, they're experts at mimicry, that they have some sort of uh, way to, to read your mind or interpret their feelings. Uh, in the Bible, it speaks about familiar spirits, and that's what it's talking about. It's familiar with you, familiar with your family, uh, particularly people that might be under a generational curse or something like that. There are, are spirits that will follow, or entities that will follow a whole family sometimes, a generational curse. Generation after generation after generation is just passed along as almost like a part of the heredity. No kidding. No kidding. But So what are you saying that? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And if I get this correctly, as we got about two and a half minutes to go before we go into break at the bottom of the hour, are you saying then that these these creatures, whatever they are, can telepathically hear voices in your head? On what they I, sound I think like? they would have to to be able to mimic because if they can, you know, uh, do the voice of somebody that's familiar to you and that person isn't around, then they've got to pull it from somewhere. They either just pull it out of the ether or they have the ability to, to know what's going on in your head. Some sort of uh, telepathy would be involved there. Okay, telepathy I can believe. Okay, because there's a lot of telepathy talk within the Sasquatch community too. And, mm-hmm. and, and I get that, and I can understand that. However, where I'm having troubles with is, how the hell did that, whatever it was in the forest that was calling my friend, know my voice? Yeah. See, that, that's the, the weird, the inexplicable part of it. But yeah, I've heard that in the Bigfoot cases, too. People that have supposedly talked with Bigfoot telepathically, like they've seen the creature, and they hear it speaking to them, not in an audible voice, but in an inner voice, and they know that that's what it is. Heard the same thing about... Uh, aliens or ufo knots or whatever you want to call them uh grays whatever they are that they also can put thoughts in your head and speak to you that way so i'm assuming if they they have the ability and the knowledge to do that sort of thing then it would be like they could open your mind and, and look through it like a file cabinet and say oh you know well, this is grandma's voice i'll use this one you know that's that's mind-boggling to even think about but yet it happens and there's no it explanation is. for it like your friend there he heard your voice he knew it was your voice but yet it wasn't you because you said you were 25 miles away. So, again, that can't happen, but it does. In your estimation, do you think then that if these things have the telep- uh, the ability to telepathically read our minds and hear our minds, do you think that they can also project our worst fears? Yeah, I think so. I think that's... Uh... A lot of times, especially with UFO abductions and things, you have uh, screen memories where people think they saw one thing, but then under hypnosis or regression or whatever, it was actually something else entirely. And it was either something that they were afraid of or something that they liked and enjoyed. Like uh, if you listen to some of Whitley Strieber stuff, he saw owls, which didn't necessarily frighten him. He just thought they were strange, but it wasn't owls at all. It was some sort of uh, alien humanoid type thing that put that screen memory in there. No kidding. no so, yeah, I think if they wanted to scare you, they, if they know what your grandma looked and sounded like, then they know your deepest, darkest fears, too. And they could put something in the woods, like, say, a dog man or something to chase you and and uh, frighten you away. Steve, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to take a break here at the sure. bottom of the hour. Steve Stockton from KPNL, talking missing people, talking cryptids. We're in for one heck of a show tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you for tuning us in. We'll be back with more creepy stories of missing people and the cryptids that surround them on Spaced Out Radio next. Strong start, buddy. Strong start. Yeah, thanks. We're all over the road, but that's the way I like it sometimes. Me too. It's just a natural (laughs) conversation. I am going to quickly race through a bunch because my fingers are getting sore from typing hello. Hi, D.A. Roberts. How you doing, my friend? Good to see you. And uh, PBR, thanks for joining us. And uh, 
Yes, I am listening, uh, PBR. I've uh, been able to multitask for years. So if you haven't noticed by now, then uh, what have you been watching? And uh, let's see here. Um, Nicholas Shaughnessy, thanks for coming on in. And Desert Rat, good to see you. It's been a while. Casual conversation with Gloria, gorgeous Gloria. Hey, Gloria, just so you know, we added you to our SOR Friends uh, show list on YouTube. You can go check that out. <clears throat> i got to add your channels yet, Steve. Yeah, Missing Persons and Mysteries and 13 Past Midnight. Yeah, I got to. I want to say hi to all my people that are here. Yeah, from a ton my of them. Stock tonight's uh, Oracles and Beyond, Cassie and... Uh, Carol XO and a bunch of people that they've sent over. So I've got a good crew here. You do. You got one of the best teams out there, man. And uh, I, I can see why you're having so much success. You know, Animal Fire, welcome to the chat room. Uh, scrolling. I'm just trying to catch up here. Melissa Wiggins, that's our, our latest writer that we brought on over on Missing Persons and Mysteries. We've got six now. That is awesome. Uh, Louis Zenadog, welcome to our channel. Uh, the gorgeous Angela Wilbert, thank you for joining us. I swear I'm going so fast here trying to catch up. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. And Sasha Rogers, welcome to the channel. Gabe Roca, good to see you. The lovely Laura Tarnowski, nice to have you back. Rooted in gorgeous sacredness, good to see you. Holy cow, it just never ends. I'm just going to have to go like this and start it, Start from the bottom. That's what I'm going to have to do. Jeanette, uh, Je is it Jeanette? Yeah, Jeanette Sanchez, welcome to our channel. I'm just never... That's my little brown elf friend from San Diego. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Andrew, thank you so much for that super chat, man. Really appreciate it. Wayne Pierce, good to see you. DVS Graf, thank you for coming on in. Uh, lovely Lauren, nice to have you back. Mennonite Abe, the gorgeous and talented Simply Coco. Please let us know what you're drinking tonight. We'd appreciate that. Uh, Sensational Sherry, thank you for coming on in. I know I'm missing people. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. No, I think I'm actually finally caught up. If I've missed your name, say hi, Dave, and I will get to it. Vinster, what's happening? Thank you for that super chat, man. Uh... I know we have a lot of, uh, of uh, new listeners here, maybe listening to us for the first time because you're following Steve. I, I want to just quickly explain to you guys that we are a live radio show. We are not a podcast. So um, that's the reason why we take commercial breaks because on our radio side of things, we are on... Um, we are on a commercial break right now, so uh, we have to time everything out with our radio stations that, that are with us. So I do apologize if uh, you're wondering what the hell is going on and why all of a sudden did the show kind of stop and you guys are just bantering, uh, but that's the reason why. So please don't take it personally. Uh, we're not trying to uh, you know offend anybody, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. You guys get the behind-the-scenes look that the radio side doesn't get so also if you're posting questions uh we are uh, we will take your questions at uh the top after we come back from the top of the hour break so we got about one minute here I'm just scrolling making sure i didn't miss anything okay good 
Hey, Vinny Barbarino. Thanks for that, buddy. Yeah, Vinny's awesome. Opa to you, Greco. How you doing? Good to see you. And uh, David Les Paulson. Nice to have you here. Ruben Castro, welcome to our channel. Uh, David, the, the top of the hour is that the, the longer break? Yeah. Oumuamua. Okay, need to step away for that one i've been hydrating all day no so. problem <laughs> avi may welcome back and uh, gorgeous pam mcsee or pa pam c this time and uh, we got about 30 seconds here and Jeanette sanchez said hello to you and arlene freeberg said hello to you kda she's one of your fellow yeah, yeah uh, canadians there yes she is she's amazing <laughs> raven is ryan how are you the gorgeous magic maiden welcome back we're gonna get going here in a few seconds sit back relax we're gonna have some fun right now Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to say hello to everyone listening in around our, you know, our affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue on with Steve Stockton tonight, as he is a researcher, an author, an all-around good guy with a fantastic beard and hair combination, and we love him around here. One of the most popular YouTube channels when it comes to missing people and the phenomena that it is. Steve, welcome back. No, thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. Love being on your show. Steve, in the Pacific Northwest, where you are and where I am located, I'm more north, you're more south, there are a lot of mountain ranges, man, and people are using them on a daily basis for hiking, for fishing, for hunting, for outdoor activities, camping, you name it, uh, ATV riding, and just just getting out into nature and enjoying it. Geocaching, there's another one. Mm -hmm. And for some reason... You know, some of these people just seem to vanish and dis disappear. In the Pacific Northwest where you are, is there a case that really sticks out for you? Um, not just a case, but cases. There are certain areas where, like Politis talks about, there, there seems to be clusters. Um, one of those is down. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Near Crater Lake in southern Oregon, um, I forget how many young men, like in their 20s, have gone missing there. Uh, athletic types, uh, outdoorsy types, People that, that shouldn't have any problem in the woods, yet they disappear without a trace. Um, there's a, an island out in the middle of Crater Lake called Wizard Island. And even though the park rangers there claim that sometimes at night they've seen what appears to be humans dancing around fires out there, yet they go over in the motorboat and there's no sign of anyone or the fires. So there's uh, talk of some sort of weird ritual activity, whether it's humans or whether it's some sort of... Uh, uh, supernatural goings on, whatever. I don't know what that could be. Uh, Mount St. Helens. There's always been missing people and, and strange activity up there all the way back to uh, like some of the Bigfoot cases, uh, famous Ape Canyon attack back in, I think it was 1921, 1924, when uh, five miners were trapped in a cabin up there and uh, fell under siege by a group of big feet that started throwing uh, stones down on their cabin. Um, also, Mount Rainier, a lot of strange disappearances there. And again, it's just those where, like, the guy was just here, and then he's gone, and there's absolutely no trace. Uh, occasionally, you know, some of these cases, they will find something that makes no sense, like the person's boots or part of their clothing or one sock or uh, pants uh, taken off, turned inside out, and hung over a tree branch or folded neatly and put on a stump. Now, who would do that? And... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cases out here. In fact, that's the, the center of my, my third book. Uh, the first one has been out for a while. It's uh, National Park Mysteries and Disappearances. This one's about the Great Smoky Mountains in particular. I just That was near and dear to my heart. I knew a lot of those cases. I knew a lot about them personally. Uh, volume 2, California, I cover Shosh, uh, Joshua Tree, Mount Shasta, and Yosemite, which is the second most visited national park, with the Great Smokies being the first. And then Volume 3, which is due out in December, it actually, and, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, so that's that's good insight on your part, but it's about the Pacific Northwest. It covers uh, Oregon, Washington State, and Idaho. So I'm doing research on those states right now and finding just all kinds of crazy things. And in fact, um, at the end of this month, uh, Anne from KPNL and I, we're going to go up onto uh, Mount St. Helens and uh, get some video footage that I'm going to use for videos on missing persons and mysteries while I'm up there doing research for the book. So kind of kill a few birds with one stone there. But I'm looking, looking forward to that. And uh, I've always been the type, I've said that if, if I go missing, I'll set the woods on fire. I'll find the tallest tree I can find and blaze it up. <laughs> or at least uh, get a bunch of green branches and stuff and, and make the biggest smoke fire that I can find. But you wonder about that because they find people uh, deceased that have all kinds of equipment with them of firearms sometimes, but yet, you know, they didn't use their firearm. They didn't use their bear spray. They didn't try to light a fire. They still have food and water with them. 
what happened to them? And uh, the really strange ones are the people that they find in areas that have already been searched. Uh, that happens very commonly, uh, more so than to just be coincidence where uh, maybe within an area that's been searched close to the person where the person disappeared, maybe it's been searched several times over several days, and then they'll inexplicably find the person there deceased right on the edge of the trail where nobody could have missed them. The body looks like they've uh, been dead for, say, just a couple of days, but they've been missing for two or three weeks or more. So where were they between the time they went missing and when the body was found? How did the body get there? You know, it doesn't appear that they died there, but like they were placed there. It's almost like sometimes whatever's out there that takes people, it likes to taunt. It likes to say, well, here they are. You just didn't find them or you couldn't find them and now you can. So I don't know. And that would also kind of work into the different dimension theory there where somebody, you know, slips through into another dimension, ends up passing away because no telling what's over there. And then when they, they're deceased, then they come back into this realm and poof, there they are. So I don't, man, there's just, there's so many strange things about it. Like I gave the Charles Fort reference there. You can really start looking into this from anywhere, from any angle and just find all these strange things that appear time and time again, just in, in different ways. And uh, I've thought a lot about the boots where they find people missing their boots. Uh, there was one guy that had gotten lost. I think he was in Colorado. Uh, they found his body. He was just a few yards from a farmhouse. They had found his boots two miles away, and this was in like several feet of snow and below freezing temperatures. Now, they talk about paradoxical undressing where when you're going into hypothermia, you feel hot because your body's actually throwing off heat and you're freezing to death. But, uh, yeah, for a guy to take his boots off and walk two miles through the ice and snow makes absolutely no sense. But I've thought about that, too. Um, out here in Portland, we have what's called the Shanghai Tunnels Yes, uh, under the, the old part of town. And that was back in the day when it was a, a rough and rowdy place. Uh, say a, a, somebody would go into a bar or a brothel and uh, they slip them a Mickey. Then they go down a trap door in the back of the place. When they come to, they're underneath in a tunnel if they're not already on a ship headed for uh, the, the Far East. And that's where the Shanghai part comes from. But uh, I've gone down and toured those tunnels, and it's it's sandy down there because it's it's close to the river. But uh, the other thing that's down there, there's broken glass that's been there since the tunnels were created. So when they dropped you down those tunnels while you were still passed out, they would remove your shoes. So you come to, you're in a dark tunnel, you don't know where you are, how to get out. There's broken glass on the ground, and you're barefoot. So if you think about that, if you wanted to chase somebody in the woods and maybe give them just a sporting chance, take their shoes and let them run barefoot. They're not going to get far, but it, it wouldn't be like, say, the proverbial shooting fish in a barrel or something. So it's whatever it is, if it is a serial killer, if it is some sort of cosmic prankster, does it remove their boots so, to let them run just to, to sport or to laugh at them before it takes them? That's, you know, I've, I've given that theory a lot of consideration. See, I could see that, Steve, with adults because... You know, these psychopaths who are out there, and let's make no no bones about it, there are psychopaths out there doing some very strange, heinous things to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- twisted things that we could never really imagine, you know. But when it comes to children, all right, 
it makes no sense to have a a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old all of a sudden have their Velcro shoes taken off and placed gently on a rock or mm-hmm. or to have their shirt removed and, and folded on a rock. I mean, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And there have been cases like that where very small children, just barely able to walk, uh, have disappeared barefoot or they did find their shoes if they had them on to begin with. And they might be several miles away, more miles than a child that age could cover, even with shoes on or in a a much higher place. Typically, a child or anybody, for that matter, when you get lost, you tend to go downhill because it's easier to walk down. But there have been cases where missing children, like two or three years old, that they find them up high on a bluff. Or uh, one little kid, I don't remember if it was a boy or girl, they found him on another ridge several miles away where he had had to climb up an elevation go back down into a valley, and then go up another uh, little cliffside there, and they found him up on top of that. Now, how did he get there? There's there's no way physically that he could have gotten there. It, it, I mean, somebody had to take him and put him up there, or something took him and put him up there. He levitated or he apported, but there's no way. He, and his feet weren't even damaged. Case, so. Cases that really interest me are cases where th- there's two, really, Number one, when more than one thing go, or one person goes missing, where if you have, a say, a, a, a human and a horse or a human mm-hmm. and a dog. You know, a dog you can see running away being spooked, okay? But a horse is something that is way too large, man, way too large to just vanish. You know, 1,200-pound right. animals, outside of Bigfoot and Dogman, do not just vanish. There's mm-hmm. always a trail. Where, like, even... Okay, in my area, we have 12, 1,500-pound moose. They may vanish in the forest, but they still leave a trail, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we're seeing these, these animals or bikes or something inanimate even going missing with the person. Yeah, that's, it's common for animals to go missing with people, dogs in particular. Um, there was one lady I read about that uh, I think she had two horses with her. Excuse me, and they found um, one of them dead, one of them near death. And I think she was still alive, but she had no memory of what had happened. That is brutal. Have you ever been lost in the forest? Excuse me, got a tickle in my throat. No, I have, but just for a short amount of time. Okay, let me give you an example of something uh, that happened to me, and I... It, it was funny because I was talking to my brother-in-law about it today, and he's an outdoorsman. And where I have one of my Bigfoot sightings, Steve, is is out. It was it's probably about two hundred fifty feet, two hundred, you know, feet off the off the uh, uh, logging road. And we'd gone in there numerous times, just to go look for, you know, check for evidence, check for the site, see if everything is a-okay, if anything's been moved, so on and so forth. Mm. And this one time I went in there, man, uh, I walked, there's two areas that we check. We check an area where we have the gifting site, and then we check the area where we have the, uh, the, we found a footprint a few years ago. And lo and behold, we're by where the footprint was. We start coming out of the forest, and dude... I got lost.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. I got, I was 10 feet away from it and I got lost. I didn't know which way the road was. I didn't know which way to enter. I, I, I started to head into a direction that I shouldn't have. And it just didn't make sense. I didn't know where the heck I was. And then thankfully there, there was a few people with us. I, I didn't hit the panic button just yet, but for me personally, my anxiety started to absolutely take off because I had no clue. So yeah. the, the point that I'm getting at with this experience that I had in, in knowing that I didn't know where I was. And then finally we heard a vehicle coming up the logging road where I was able to, okay, that's the direction that I got to go. You know, I don't 200 feet in, I'm not bringing a compass. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I've taken <laughs> yeah. the same trails each and every time, but for some reason, something in the brain just went twing and yeah, I didn't I, know I where that happened before. It's like, you're just suddenly everything gets turned upside down in your head. And, uh, I had it happen like that where I was on a trail following a trail and suddenly I'm looking around and there's no trail anymore. And I've been watching the blazes. It was a trail that I'd hiked on many, many times and knew I could probably hike it at night. And yet it just somehow I'd veered off and had no remembrance of doing it. Well, so let, that, that can't happen. I don't know if that's something, you know, weird or if that's just a human well, nature type thing. That's exactly what I was going to ask, Steve. Do you think that maybe that's the start of some of these these portals or or these dimensional shifts happening. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, uh, other things that I've experienced like that, I've been in the woods and have it go, I mean, absolutely dead quiet. No birds, no leaves, no breeze, no water, absolutely nothing. It's like being deaf or being in a vacuum. And usually when anywhere I've been where that's ever happened, I took that as a, a hint to get out of there. And I've heard other people talk about that. But it makes you wonder if you stayed there, if you stayed in that area or went even deeper toward what you were going toward, would it would it increase? Or um, I was hiking in the Smokies one time. I was up near Cleman's Dome, which is the highest point in the Smokies. And um, I don't always stay on the trail. I, I, I can read a compass. I can read a topo map. I had GPS and everything at the time. But uh, and I didn't even 
guide myself by the stars. If I can see the stars, there's places where you can't for the tree canopy. But uh, I'd gone off trail to look at something. And a little farther over, I noticed some kind of weird little clearing. And I went over there, and in this clearing was like this magnificent oak tree. And usually there's not even any oaks that high up in the Smokies. Now, I wasn't on the top of Clingman's Dome. Right. I was down one side. But here was this oak that looked so real, that like hyper real, like a Disney Imagineer had made it or something. It was so real that it didn't look real. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this oak tree. And it was huge. I mean, it did take two or three people to hold hands to get all the way around it. And uh, it got quiet like that in the forest. And part of me is thinking, you know, that, that looks comfortable right there by that tree. I bet that'd be a good place to just sit down, relax, lean up against that mighty oak tree, maybe even take a nap. And then suddenly I caught myself like, uh, where did that thought even come from? It's like 4.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be dark soon. I need to get down off here and get back toward the trailhead and to the parking lot or I'm going to be up here in the dark. But, you know, that was I think that's one of those things that if I'd listened to that, whatever it was, trying to lull me into a, a security blanket there to, to sit down and take a nap below that tree, I, I don't think I'd have ever been heard from again. But whatever, something snapped me out of it, like my better judgment. But it makes you wonder, does that happen to people? Do people like think, well, yeah, that would be a good place to take a nap, and then boom, they're gone. See, that's one of the mysteries. And if something does happen... Where you go? <laughs> yep. You know, is it the little people? Is it the gnomes? Is it the forest dwellers? Is it whatever's hiding in in inner earth coming up to get you? Is it aliens? Is it Bigfoot, Dogman, anything yes, else? Yes, all the above. <laughs> you know, I I can see an argument for any of those. It it can be just depending on the situation. A lot of those those fit. And again, everything pretty much fits within the framework of the Fae. Some of the elementals right. and creatures that are considered part of the Fae, they had men in, in what they call flying cars. There's UFOs. They had hairy giants. There's Bigfoot or Dogman. They had, you know, other, all kinds of little, there's pixies and imps, and, and there's uh, like a hierarchy. There's different types of Fae that do different things, and that uh, they're all pretty much evil. There are a few that will help you, but you have to be careful. It's kind of like, have you ever heard any of the old Jack stories where Jack would strike a bargain with the devil, and it always, uh, those are popular down south, or they were, but he always, you know, got gypped because the devil was a liar. Well, it's the same with the Fae. You don't make a deal with them, because whatever you enter into with, now this is according to the Celtic folklore, they're always going to win, or they don't They don't play with you. They don't Right. Uh, so, Steve, we have uh, a lot of people who listen to this show, and of course, we talk about the woo, we talk about the weird, the strange things that are happening. But I don't think a lot of people understand when they listen to you speak or they listen to other guests speak that the first thing that we are not that we are thinking of is not the woo. We are thinking about the logical explanations mm-hmm. as to why things are happening. So when you take on a case or you're looking into a situation, a Bigfoot or a missing person or something along those lines, what is your first thoughts before you get into the woo? Oh, to to try to eliminate anything that could scientifically or rationally explain it. Because I've had that happen. I've seen things that upon closer inspection, it wasn't anything supernatural, paranormal at all. It was just the person's perception of it or, you know, in a heightened state of fear the mind can play tricks on you. Um, in my first book, Strange Things in the Woods, I've got a story about a guy that had been, this was like back in the 20s or 30s, he'd been over to his girlfriend's house after church. They called it courting down south. 
and um, got dark, time for him to go home. And I, he had to be at work early as dad's sawmill the next morning. And he thought, you know, if I cut through the woods instead of taking the, the dirt road there, I could shave some time off and get home and get in bed early. So he goes through the woods, and uh, as he's headed on his way home through these dark woods, he sees what looks like a coffin with a light in it. Well, now this is in the South. People are superstitious. Well, he saw that. He's sure it's some kind of warning or portent or some sort of terrible, terrible omen. So he runs. He runs through briars and branches and everything. By the time he gets home, scratched, he's cut. He's torn up his good Sunday clothes that he wore to church and wore over to his girlfriend's house. Gets in the house. He's panicking. His He wakes his mom and dad up, and he's excitedly telling them, what he's seen and of course his mom she was the superstitious one she starts wailing and said oh you know it's it's some some you're, something's gonna die you know somebody's gonna die this is terrible and then finally the dad says you know i've had enough of this nonsense he said come on we're gonna go see this light in the coffin so he gets the guy takes him drags him basically makes him go out in the woods back to where he saw this thing and said sure enough he saw it off in the distance but he wouldn't go over there his dad walks over there kind of bends over and looks at it and then just lets out the biggest belly laugh. And he's like, son, get over here and look at this. It was um, a hollow log that had fallen. And uh, there was a, a spider web inside there. And inside the spider web, there was a lightning bug that was flashing. Uh, firefly. So, but the guy, in his mind, he saw a coffin with a light in it. And he said, if my poor old daddy hadn't dragged me back out there and showed me what that was, he said, I probably would have died that night just from sheer fright just from thinking that somebody something's going to happen to me. Because I think you can do that, too. I think, you know, they say that the life and death is in, you have life and death in the, the power of your tongue, the power of life and death in your tongue. I believe you can do that. I believe you could hype yourself up to the point that you could cause yourself some sort of physical or psychological injury. How many cases like that, say out of 10 cases, do you think are logical explanations? As we got about two minutes to go here. Yeah, well, that's that depends. I mean, like in my book, no, there's only a few that are like that. But I'd say at least half can be some logical explanation. But just because there is a logical explanation of what it could be, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what it was. That's the other thing that you run into where, uh, yeah, we could, could make it happen and make it look like that, but we didn't. You know, like, uh, like those shows Fact or Faked where they try to recreate something. They can do it. They can physically make it look like what the person saw. But what the person saw was real and not some sort of made-up uh, hocus-pocus or puppet or something like that. Very true. And and so when you're drawing the difference between the logical and the illogical, what signs are you looking for as we got about a minute? Um, any any sign of a, like a hoax or anything like that, anybody that would be looking for attention or something that just smells different off the bat. I mean, usually if you talk to people and interview people enough, and I've done this for years, you can kind of get a feel for who's not quite telling you the truth or who's maybe pulling your leg a little bit. The ones that tend to be the, the truest and, and most frightening are the ones that don't even really want to talk about it, and you have to kind of pry it out of them. And then once they see that you're not going to accuse them of being insane or a drunkard or something like that, then they come a little more forward with it. I've had people tell me stories that, you know, like he's like, I never even told that my wife that, you know, that's, just one of those things that scared me. I just kept it inside all these years. So that that's usually a good indicator. But again, just because they thought they experienced something doesn't necessarily mean that that is what they actually experienced. It, it takes research and uh, 
reproducible results sometimes to prove that it, that it is a fake. But the, the true anomalous stuff tends to be irreproducible, which is what makes it such an anomaly. And on that note, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are cruising on through. I can't believe we're already through an hour tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Steve Stockton is with us tonight. He is part of the KPNL crew that we broadcast digitally on nightly, and we love Anseline and Steve. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For allowing us to share our show with KPNL audiences digitally. And uh, we absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, you can find Steve all over. His books are on Amazon. You can find him everywhere on YouTube. I think he's got about 8,000 different YouTube channels. (laughs) And they're all strong, 13 past midnight being one of them, which I listen to every night before I go to bed because I absolutely love it. More missing people. What causes it? Where are they disappearing to? Are they able to come back from wherever they go? Steve Stockton is our guest. We'll be back right after this. Steve, I'm just going to run uh, to take a bathroom break here. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to mute your mic and we'll be right back. Okay, we got six minutes. I'm, I'm going to do the same. I'll all be right back. All right, buddy. Be right back, YouTube.
right. We are back. Want to say a big thank you to Vinny, to Andrew, to Patrick, Adam, Michael times three, Double Tim, Longhorn, Ed, Snakes, and Christopher for the amazing super chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, and we thank each and every one of you for uh, helping us on out and supporting what we do each and every night here on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you to our brand new subscribers for coming on in and hitting that subscribe button. Don't forget to ring the bell. We are literally here seven days a week starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. And to all our regulars who show up, we love you. You know we do. We think the world of you. So thank you for making this show so special. Really do appreciate it. Hi, gorgeous Bat Mom. How are you? And a big thank you to all the veterans who... uh, Listen to this show. We love you. And you always got a home here on Spaced Out Radio. So let us know if you're a veteran. And uh, thank you so much for your service. We really do appreciate everything that you've done and the sacrifices you've made. Thank you so much. We got about a minute 20 to go here. And uh, don't forget uh, tomorrow night on the show. Uh, who's with us tomorrow night? Oh, Robbie Antia. You may not know his name, but there's over a quarter million subscribers to his channel. Swamp Dweller. We're getting into creepy pasta tomorrow night. It's going to be a blast. And then you got Lynn Wallington on the weekend on Saturday and Sunday night. And uh, hold on, this may be an issue on Twitch's end. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. And uh, no, we're all good. We are all good. And uh, yeah, that's it. This is awesome. Uh, Steve will be back with us here momentarily. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a great night tomorrow night. Great night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got about 20 seconds left. Stevie Stockton, uh, thank you for coming on in, brother. You changed. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Got to get your camera uh, organized here. Your camera went a little bit uh, salty on us, but that's okay. All right. Thanks for tightening it up. You can sell this junk behind me. I just got a tapestry. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. And we want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Just do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Xerophobus. Xerophobus is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, 
Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue on tonight with Steve Stockton. He is a researcher, author of all things strange, weird, people going missing, Bigfoot, Dogman, everything in between. And we are talking about missing people tonight. And right before the break, Steve, we were talking about the logical answers to people going missing. This is something Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of us, a lot of people out there think we immediately jump on the woo, but we don't. We have to rule out logic first. So when you start to rule out the logic of somebody going missing, what are you looking for? Uh, Look at things like uh, trace evidence, whether there's footprints, whether there's sightings of that person, seems they maybe wandered off trail, any signs of animal predation. Things like that, because you hear that a lot. Oh, well, a big cat got them or a bear got them. That does happen, but they don't eat every bit of a human. They certainly don't consume the clothes and things like that. And there will be evidence left of uh, signs of a struggle, blood. Um, and what, uh, like a big cat, if they take somebody, what they can't eat, they'll cache up in a tree. And a bear tends to try to, to bury theirs and put it in the brush. So it would be something that the dogs could hit on and find if it were an animal. So that's that's one of the, the biggest hints to me is when the, the dogs lose the scent and just sit down and won't go any farther. A lot of times we have heard stories of these tracking dogs, these hounds, where not only will they lose the scent, but at times, Steve, they will all of a sudden start acting erratically or they'll mm-hmm. lay down, refusing to go any further. Some are, some even urinate on themselves because mm-hmm. something is scaring them, and that's what causes an animal to urinate on itself. So I'm curious, you know, when that happens, and you hear reports of that happening, what is your first instinct? That it's, it's some kind of apex predator. I mean, like other than a wild animal, something like a Bigfoot or Dogman, or there's the... The predator creature that people talk about, the, the glimmer man or the translucent humanoid being that's similar to what was in the movie Predator thing that has some sort of cloaking energy. Um, I can't remember the lady Jan, her husband's a UFO researcher. She was in a tree stand uh, with a bow and arrow looking. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For deer, and she captured a picture of something in a, another tree over from her that looked like 
a figure in saran wrap. She could see through it. So there's stuff like that out there that we don't know about. I mean, what even is that? So I, I think it's not just, you know, Bigfoot and, and a dog man and aliens and things like that, but there's probably other types of entities or creatures or things out there that we may not even be aware of or not completely aware of. That's Bruce Maccabee's wife, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, couldn't that, think of his name. That is an incredible, incredible story. The weird part about that one is, you know, when she was having that experience, there was a mm-hmm. UFO scene hovering over the football field because the band was practicing, getting ready for homecoming, and a bunch of these teenagers uh, with uh, instruments witnessed this craft overhead. And if you go even a little bit deeper, Bruce Maccabee is very well known in the governmental UFO circle and mm-hmm. including part of a secret group called the Aviary. Yep. And yeah, that happened just a short distance from where she was in her tree stand. She was on the other side of the trees. That's where the, the high school and the football field was. So the UFO sighting and then this translucent being or whatever it was, was in the uh, in the same area, roughly. And you used to hear more about that. I remember the, the big UFO flap back in 73. I was 10 years old at the time, and that was one of the best summers I ever had. Uh, my brother lived up on a, a pretty good hill, and we'd go up there at night and sit out in his yard and watch the skies. And... Uh, there were a lot of sightings during that flap, and a lot of times it would coincide with uh, a Bigfoot sighting on the ground in the same area that you had a UFO sighting in the sky. So was the Bigfoot attracted to the UFOs? Did the did they come out of the UFO? Were they some type of alien, or were they masking themselves as a hairy uh, man-like creature when they were really whatever reptilian or gray or whatever they were? It just it boggles the mind. There's so many different ways you can go with any of this. And there are really no hard and fast rules. I mean, there's people doing bits and pieces of different kinds of research, but I don't think anybody's ever put everything together into one. I don't know if you could or not. But there, there is a lot of overlap in the, in the woo stuff. Well, I tell you, it is strange and weird. Before we get to Chad's question here, I want to ask you, in, in regards to, to people who are, are going missing and coming back, one of the ones that even those who go missing, pardon me, because one of the stories that really baffles me is when these things happen in big cities. Now, when you go into a big city or even a even a smaller town, you, you, you know there's other people around. There's sometimes shady people who are... Mm-hmm are around and, and trying really hard to to hide and deviate from society and are looking to do something sinister. But, you know, I look at the cases, and there's a bunch in Boston. It's happened in Vancouver and other major cities where, you know, you're out with a night with the boys, and say there's five or six of you, and you've had a few drinks, and you're walking to the next pub or to the next restaurant or lounge, and, and you know, doing the city hop, as many of us have done many a times, and one of your buddies says, hey, you know, I'm just going to run into that alley, go behind the garbage can and take a pee or something mm-hmm. along. I mean, we've all done it. We know it's illegal, but we've all done it. And, mm-hmm. you know, your buddies are 20, 30 feet away waiting for you, and all of a sudden you're gone. Yeah, that happens. Uh, we covered a case like that not too long ago where a guy, he'd either left or gotten kicked out of a bar and had called his girlfriend to come and pick him up. And he was literally right around the corner. And by the time she turned the street corner and got there, found his cell phone smashed on the ground. He was nowhere to be found. Nobody recalls seeing him. Certainly didn't see anybody take him or abduct him or anything. Never found. And then there's been other cases. Um, 
one uh, guy's last name was Schaefer. is in Ohio, where uh, he was in a bar with some friends. Uh, there's video of him entering the bar. He never came out. There was no video of him ever leaving. He was never seen again. He was in this bar. They know he was there. They had him on footage inside the bar, but uh, he never left. So where did he go? And there, there's similar stories to that that happens in the cities and towns and things. And a lot of times when they are found, they're found in the water. Uh, Manchester, England, uh, the people, local people there call it the pusher. They tend to think that, that somebody is pushing people into the water, people that are inebriated and whatnot. But um, the UK in particular has more surveillance cameras than anywhere I've ever been. And I lived in Las Vegas for almost 10 years. And there's a lot of eye in the sky there. Well, the UK has even more. So there, there, again, there's, there's footage of these people going into the pubs whatnot, but there's never any footage of them coming out. There's never any footage of them going into the water, but then they find them in the water. And it's been there's a lot of bodies, particularly in Manchester, that they fished out of the water. And that, that happens pretty much the world over from, from the research I've seen. Chad is asking, what area in the United States would put someone of greatest risk of going missing? Land between the lakes, Skinwalker Ranch area, Crater Lakes, others? Um, well, if you're talking about just as far as like a national park where odds are that you're more likely to go missing, it would be Yosemite. It's had uh, more than 30 missing persons that have never been found dating back to 1909. So then, and there's other places, um, Lake Mead, Grand Canyon, they have numbers in the hundreds. Uh, Smokies has got quite a few. Um, you know, people warn about bear attacks and things like that. The most dangerous thing you can do in the Smokies is fly over in a small plane. Uh, while researching the first book, found some evidence. There have been like over 30 small craft crashes within the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now, they're, and they'll even tell you, like, there are signs up in the park that uh, due to geomagnetic anomalies in the area, your compass may not work correctly or your guidance system. So I say don't fly over in any planes, but um, that, that, there's other places that have that. There's a, a place in Kentucky where they have an anomaly that, that's magnetic that way. You have places where there are uh, vortex. Um, there's one in southern Oregon near Crater Lake, the Oregon Vortex. There's one in Sedona, Arizona. There's one in Superstition Mountains. There's one on Mount Shasta. And nobody really knows what those are, how they work, but it's a lot of different people, New Agers and occultists and things. That's their power spots. It's like if you go into the UK, they have the ley lines where all these sacred ancient sites kind of fit along a certain line. If, if viewed on a map or from the air, you can see that they're connected logically. And I, I think we have that here. And that's another thing. You know, we talked about the boulder fields and stuff. Uh, a lot of weird stuff happens in places where there's a lot of limestone and, um, particularly like in the southeast and along the Appalachian Trail where you have all these people going missing, that whole area is covered with limestone caverns. So again, is there, you know, that, that gets into some really woo stuff like uh, uh, alien lizard people that live underground in these caverns and come up and snatch people. And supposedly they're the ones that when you hear the voice in the cave that sounds like your grandma and you go in to investigate, then they grab you and take you to their underground lair. I mean, that's getting really far out there. But, you know, after you hear so much of these and look at so many different cases that make absolutely no rational sense, you know, I, I don't discount anything. No, and I, and I can see that. Let's get to Heidi's question. Many of these other natural beings are hostile towards us. 
Steve, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I agree. And again, like if you look at the Fae, they don't like us. If you look at the, the Nephilim, uh, the fallen angels, they don't like us. Uh, we've got something they can never have, or we came in and take over, um, took over rather. Um, there are places like in the Nordic countries and things where they'll build a highway around an outcropping of rocks because they think there's gnomes or trolls that live in those rocks and they don't want to disturb them because doing so is bad luck. And it's been proven supposedly by them that when they ignored that and blasted the rocks, then something would happen. They would create a stretch of road where suddenly there's all these unexplained crashes and and there's places like that here and it makes you wonder. There are certain stretches of road that tend to have higher uh, crash and, and death rates when there's no real reason. There's not any particular type of geographic feature or anything that's just like it's cursed. And uh, if you look at areas like the Skinwalker Ranch, uh, going from New Mexico all the way up into, I think, all the way into Utah. Uh, there's a lot of cursed lands up there where the Apache and um, I can't remember the name of the other tribe, uh, the witch doctors, the shamans were at war, and they were both like flinging curses at each other. And uh, a, a lot of those First Nations people will tell you there are areas that you want to avoid because of stuff that's been placed on it that you run the risk of uh, uh I had this one incredible story of a guy that was driving home from college. I think he was going to college in, let's see, New Mexico, and his parents lived in Utah. And he was driving the old, it used to be Route 666. They had to change it because people kept stealing the, the sign. Uh, why anybody would want that? Well, I have a pretty good idea, maybe an Iron Maiden fan or something. But um, he kept seeing a hitchhiker. And the, the guy like looked kind of weird and kind of shaggy. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to pick that guy up. Well, like a half hour, hour on down the road, he sees the same hitchhiker, but he looks a little shaggier and a little more unkempt. And this happened several times to the point that the thing had almost turned into some sort of a dogman or werewolf and was chasing him like alongside his car. And that that's was told as a true story. And uh, he wow. was able to, to hide out in a like an abandoned uh, camping trailer or something until daylight and the thing went away. It was sitting on his car hood. That is incredible. Steve, have you ever interviewed anybody who went missing in some weird fashion, but then reappeared and was found? Sadly, no, because a lot of people, especially adults, they, they don't remember or they don't want to talk about it. And a lot of the children that have gone missing and they're then found later, they don't have any memory of it either. Now, I have talked to family members on um, I said I talked to Dennis Martin's dad briefly, but uh, Trini Gibson that went missing in uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park in, I think that was 78 or 79. Um, she was a couple years older than I was. We went to Crosstown Rival High Schools, and she lived in the same neighborhood that Dennis Martin did, so kind of a weird little synchronicity there. Uh, she went missing from Clingman's Dome area. Uh, no trace of her, never found anything. Uh, turned out my niece was good friends with her younger sister, and I got to talk to her sister a lot before she passed away. And uh, it just it destroyed the whole family. You know, they just, the, the mom and dad got divorced. They would yell at the kids. The dad would drink and, and tell the younger sister, you know, I wish you'd been the one that disappeared and just hateful things like that. Oh, my. And uh, she said, you know, that part of me thinks that somewhere Trini just ran off with a guy and she's in somewhere, you know, like maybe Southern California with a different name and living a, a perfect life. But she said, in my heart of hearts, Steve, I don't think she ever left that mountain alive. 
but that was one of those it was just the whole thing was a weird set of circumstances uh it was a field trip uh, from bearden high school in knoxville to the great smokies which is like an hour and a half away the kids didn't know supposedly where they were going until they were already on the bus and on the way there and then when they got there she hiked with several different groups of people and they were actually on their way back uh, from where they'd had lunch back down to the parking area to get on the bus home. Uh, some of the other students said they saw her, like, stop and kind of look down in the woods off the trail. And then she stepped off the trail and into the pages of history. That was the last time anybody saw her. Another one of those where they, they combed the mountains, search and rescue, um, absolutely nothing. A lot of times Sasquatch has been blamed for this. Now, you have looked into this. You have some theories about this. Do you think this primitive creature, whatever it may be, is causing a lot of these people disappearing? Uh, I see that as a plausible theory. Um, Go back to the Dennis Martin case. There's a family, last name of Key, they were in an area below Spencefield, uh, several miles away. They'd ask a park ranger where they might be able to see a bear, and he'd send them over to this area. So they're in there poking around. They heard a scream. It was the most blood-curdling scream they'd ever heard. And this was just a couple of hours after Dennis had disappeared, but they didn't know about the disappearance. And uh, first they saw, well, the kids thought it was a bear. And the dad looked and said, that, that's not a bear. He described it as a, a very hairy or unkempt-looking man, maybe wearing animal skins. And it was carrying something over its shoulder that was red. Well, Dennis had on a red shirt when he went missing. So there's talk that that wasn't a man at all or somebody, you know, a woodsman or whatever wearing animal skins. That it was some type of Sasquatch creature that had taken Dennis and put him over his shoulder and and took off into the woods. But then that brings into another part. Uh, I've got a video on missing persons and mysteries. And it's also a chapter in my book here about the Smokies about... um, wild men and and feral people. There are stories in almost all the national parks, especially the ones on the East Coast, of uh, some sort of feral, like cannibal hillbilly types that live in the woods that have been there for decades. Uh, Some even allege that that's why the National Park Service was formed, to uh, create a place to keep these people, to keep them away from the populace because they have a taste for human flesh. and then there's even another theory that there's some sort of Bigfoot human hybrid. And uh, there's a, a guy that's got a channel here on YouTube called South Force 10. I don't know the man, but he lives in the Smokies. And he talks about that, that his relatives, like back in the 30s, were hired to go into the, the park and hunt these people before it was the park. Uh, to go in and hunt these wild people to kind of thin them out every once in a while. And he claims that they took Dennis Martin and they ate him. So there's there's all kinds of stuff out there. But, you know, I looked into that, and even Dwight McCarter, he's retired now. He wrote a, a really good book. Uh, he was park ranger in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, uh, the lead tracker. He was the lead on the Dennis Martin disappearance. Uh, he wrote an incredible book called Lost that talks about some of the disappearances and things that he dealt with. But even he admitted that there are feral people that live off-grid way, way, way back in the mountains that never see anybody else or anything. Now, he didn't allude to it being Bigfoot or some kind of creature like that, but just uh, nasty types of individuals, and I mean nasty in a mean way. They're they're probably nasty in other ways, too, that they live out in the woods. But, um, I mean, people that have never been out of the hills, that have never been out of the mountains, that 
like it that way, and there's whole families of them. And since they don't get out and don't meet new people, they're they're inbred and apparently have a taste for human flesh. So again, is is that Bigfoot? Is it a hybrid? Is it just you know weird uh, crazed hillbillies that that live out in the, the woods? And I've heard that about other places, and it is possible. I mean, I looked into it, and if you you look into people that have intentionally gone into the woods to hide. Eric Rudolph is a good example. He was the uh, Olympic bomber in Atlanta. The FBI was after him. He, num- one time he was number one on the most wanted list. He went into the Nantahala National Forest, which is just south of the Smokies, and was able to live there for five years undetected. So if, if this guy with minimal experience and know-how could go out there and survive for five years, then it's possible that there are people out there in areas where humans haven't been or may never have been at least not in a long time. And uh, the only way he got caught, he got a little bold and started sneaking into a little town there in North Carolina and rummaging through the dumpsters. And a rookie deputy saw him and recognized him from the wanted poster. But if he had stayed in the woods, he'd probably still be in there. It's a good hiding place. And, and, you know, the longer you spend in the woods, the more that you become understanding of nature. And it's very easy to blend in with nature. You know, I, I remember my buddy and I, we were driving, you know, looking for Sasquatch prints. And as we're driving, my buddy says, oh, there's a moose. I'm looking in the trees. I'm, I'm like, where? And, you know, once you once you focus in on the area, once he pointed it out, there is no way that I would ever seen that. Because the moose's legs, I only saw the hind end, but the moose's legs were blending in right with the trees, looking like tree branches. You know, going up and down or bare young trees. Yeah, I used to, you were talking about geocaching earlier. I used to do a lot of that, like back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it got to a point where I didn't even need the GPS. I could be just in the general area and just kind of scan the woods. And you could tell that something looked man-made or looked out of place or it looked like where somebody had tried to hide something. It didn't look natural. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things, like you said, the more time you spend, the more time you see things that you wouldn't normally see or you become aware of things like that. And I think a lot of us, as we've got about 45 seconds to go, I think a lot of us, Steve, have, you know, we're so used to society. We're so used to pavement and people and, and sounds and noises and cell phones and, and vehicles that we don't understand that going back hundreds, if not thousands of years, this is the type of terrain that we were living in. Absolutely. And I think that's, like you said, it's been bred out of us through uh, convenience and instant gratification. The world's gotten smaller with the electronics and stuff, but we've lost our inherent abilities of uh, things like that, like direction and things. I know people that you could take them out in the middle of the woods and put them out. They'd find their way out without a compass or a map or anything. Now I'm talking mountain people, like from over on the Cumberland Plateau in Middle Tennessee, where my dad's from. Uh, there was people over there that had lived out in the middle of the woods right. away from anybody. Steve, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Steve Stockton, our guest tonight, missing people, cryptids, monsters. Do they tie together? We'll find out more with Steve Stockton on Space Out Radio right after this. clear yeah good reminder Mm -hmm. thank you uh christopher morales that the perseid meteor showers are beginning and uh they're always fun to watch 
Hi, Iron Dogger. How are you? Thank you, Melissa. I never heard the Hillbilly Headhunters before, man. Yeah, there's, uh, if you Google um, National Parks and Feral People, you can find out a lot about that. And here on YouTube, look for South Force 10. This older guy, I think he's like in his 60s or something. And if even half of what he's saying is true, there's some, some serious stuff out there that you don't hear a lot about. You may never have heard about. And it's it's not just in the Appalachians either, but according to him, it's you know just basically anywhere where there's a national park or national recreation area or untamed wilderness that there's a reason that that was put into that program was to keep whatever's there in there uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Mogolan Monster, how are you? Jazz Ramblings, good to see you, kiddo. Isn't it your bedtime? Apparently uh, up here we've had... Uh... Sorry to change topics. We've had moonless nights late, lately. And uh, last night I went out after the show. And, oh God, the, the Milky Way was sitting right over top of my house. Right over top of my house. And apparently, uh, and if you use a spotting scope tonight, or an astroscope, if you have one, you'll be able to see Saturn's rings tonight. If you've got clear skies. Hi, Silent Edge Manny. How are you? Uh, gorgeous <clears throat> Marie, welcome back. Chris Moe in Austria, thank you for joining us. Uh, Felden, I apologize. The chat room has been kind of nuts tonight. Could you repost your question if you don't mind? And I will. I promise you I'll get it to uh, Steve. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 281 people watching tonight so far. Yeah. I can't. Pretty good numbers. Oh, it's, it's I, I tried to keep up with the chat for a while, but it's just so far out of control uh yeah melissa nicole if you can put my email address in there if anybody has a personal experience or something they would like me to put on the listener stories yeah. episode of uh, missing persons and mysteries yeah. send that in or if you just want to talk about weird stuff i love getting email awesome little marky spender is here timber hunter that's my buddy who uh, promises steve that if we ever come across a grizzly bear he will shoot me first <laughs> Isn't that a nice friend? 
Yeah, that's little Marky Spender. All right, hey, Bigfoot Rob, how's the uh, how's the water going? You're underwater. Are you okay? Are you safe? Hector, I've I've never seen a Sasquatch myself. I've smelled them. I've heard them. I've heard the, the whoops and the yells and the tree knocks. I've been pelted with stones from an unidentifiable source uh, from different directions. And I've seen uh, footprints above the snow line in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest uh, across the river here in Washington. But never seen one. I hope to. Um, went to Squatch Fest a couple weeks ago and uh, met Bob Gimlin. Have you ever met him, Dave? He's a character. I've never had a chance to meet him yet. He's 89 like years old, almost 90. He probably won't be doing too many more of those appearances. But he, he yeah. seems hale and hearty and in good shape. And uh, I bought a framed or a, a print of the one of the film frames from the Patterson Gimlin film there and had him sign it. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I've got, I've got it right here, I think. Show this real quick. If you can see that or not. But. Oh, uh, to the there you go. There we go. Beautiful. And then down at the bottom, oh, Bob Gibbon, and he's got the the date on there that they saw Patty there. Nice. 10, 10, 20, 1967. But that's that's awesome. I just I've marveled over this since I was a kid, and uh, to get a, a frame of it that's signed by Bob. And I'm so, I'm so glad they gave him some recognition on that. For years and years and years, it was just the Patterson film. And yeah. now they actually call it the Patterson Gimlin film, and that makes me feel good. But he's just, he's a swell guy. He acted like he knew me. That kind of blew me and Anne away. She went with me up there. And I was walking by. I was actually going to Clyde Lewis's table, and I'm going to come back to Bob. And uh, I looked over, and he's staring right at me, and he goes, hey, kid. And he starts waving me over. Nice. So I walk over, and he grabbed me with the hand, a real firm handshake, and he's like, how you doing? And Anne was like, and later she's like did you know him have you ever met him before I'm like, no I'd, I'd remember that but <laughs> hey maybe he's listening maybe he's listening i hope so i think he maybe watches missing persons and mysteries but then before we left i went back and and bought uh a copy of i that. would i would too hey i just Got want to, to give a quick to, i just yeah. want to give a quick shout out to heidi gabe chad Vinny, andrew patrick adam michael times three tim longhorn uh snakes and christopher for the amazing super chats tonight Thank you to all our new subscribers pushing us over 13,000. I love that it's bought and paid for. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Really appreciate earning your listening ears and for you tuning on in. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, do us a favor, check out our archives, because they're free for you at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue on tonight talking mysteries, missing people, monsters. Steve Stockton is here. You can find all of his books on Amazon. Steve, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. This went fast. Oh, yeah. You know, 
we may have to keep you right to the top of the hour in hour three. Okay. If if you're up for it, you feel good. Sure. Let's just do it. Let's let's just run with it. We'll do the full show with you. All right. YJ is asking, has mm-hmm. anyone ever cross-referenced disappearances with the Hadron Collider particle smashing events? Not that I'm aware of, but that would be a good thing to look into because I I think what they're doing there is, and, you know, the stuff, everything in general at CERN is uh, affecting things in ways that people don't realize or maybe not everybody realizes anyway, like the the Mandela effect and some of that stuff. There are things that just aren't the way they used to be, and I know a lot of people point toward CERN, but uh, it's interesting. But I would like to see somebody cross-reference that. I'll suggest that to my writers and see what they can come up with. Hector down in Mexico is asking, have you ever studied up on chupacabras, a Latin American monster? Yeah, the goat suckers. I've I've read about them. I've heard about them. I've never seen one. I've seen some footage that that claims to be a chupacabra. Uh, I think didn't those start like in Puerto Rico or somewhere like that, and then uh, they started seeing them in Mexico, and then I've heard that they're in Texas as well. But uh, frightening. I wouldn't wouldn't want to encounter one from the eyewitness reports and sketches and things that I've seen. No kidding. No kidding. To me, I, uh, I still believe that's just mangy coyotes. Could be. Somebody else in the chat was asking if uh, I'd ever heard of the Bell Witch. Absolutely. I grew up in East Tennessee. Now, that's more of a, a middle Tennessee thing, but that was playground legend growing up. Uh, there was a, a story about um, a book at the main library that you could never get. It was the, the story of the Bell Witch by one of the Bell family. And it was always checked out. It was like it never came back in. Well, it turns out somebody had been reading it in bed and had a heart attack and died. And that was the whole thing that it was cursed. And that's why the library wouldn't let it go. But the truth of the matter was it was just so popular. They kept it in the reference section and you could only read it in the library. But on the playground, the, the book was cursed. And uh, also heard of the, the Bloody Mary thing when they play in the mirror. Well, there was a version of the Bell Witch uh, there was a game like that. He go to a darkened room and uh, all the lights out, close the door, stand in front of the mirror and say, I don't believe in the Bell Witch three times. And she was supposed to reach to the mirror and scratch you. So um, I've been to the Bell Witch farm, been to the Bell Witch cave, Chris Kirby, that her and her husband currently own that property. She's a very wonderful lady and will give you an amazing tour of it there. Uh, her husband had some kind of strange encounter in the cave. He won't have anything to do with it. But uh, Chris is in and out of there all the time. She's got uh, books full of photographs of anomalous things that not only she, but other people have captured, even dating back to like Polaroids and regular print film and stuff. There's there's definitely something there. All right. Uh, Tony is asking, Steve, have you had any accounts of night crawlers? Oh, those, those are some of the creepiest things I've ever seen. I've, I've heard of just the, the common ones, the ones in San Diego, and then they've been seen again at Yosemite. It looks like just a pair of legs or maybe a pair of legs on stilts walking. There's no body, no head, no arms, no visible means of support. Uh, there's been people try to claim that it was a puppet, that it was some kind of put on. But uh, when you go back and look at the footage and then look at the area in the daytime, there's no way you could have gotten in there to do anything like that. The area is just too small. And uh, I mentioned the show Factor Faked earlier. They tried to replicate it, and they could get close, but it took a lot of... Um, rigging and like a crane and uh custom puppets and a puppeteer or two and things like that so there was you know i think it's just some kind of weird creature 
uh, there's a, a Native American legend that talks about those particular things. And I can't remember what the, the Native word for it is, but it's literally uh, legs that walk. So It looks like, a, and I hate to put it this way, man, but to me it looks like these night crawlers look like a pair of MC hammer pants that never got out of 1992. And if you, if I ever see one, I, I swear to God, I'm going to start playing can't touch this just to see what they do. That To me, that's just, there's something so frightening about them. I and mean, they don't necessarily look evil or, or feel evil, but there's just something so not right about them. Do <laughs> you kick them in the nards because they have no arms? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get to Feldon's question. Says, and I like this one. I'm going bigfooting. Thank you for not saying squatching because I wouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> All right. I'm going bigfooting next weekend where I grew up at in northeast Oklahoma with some amateurs. Do you have any advice? Uh, for me, I would say just just be aware of your surroundings. Um, listen, look. You know, try to take it all in. There's, you can miss things a lot of times. I've been with other people. I've seen things that they didn't. Where uh, a lot of times, um, big feet will do things to the trees. They'll pile up, almost like make a little teepee thing out of the trees. They like to do things with trees and branches. And a lot of times, if you look up, you can see where they've done stuff too. That's one thing that I've found to where you can find activity and things. And most people don't look up. Most people look down when they're in the woods. I. I that doesn't occur to me to, to not look up because, again, if there's big cats or things in there, that's where they're going to be. And uh, likewise, people sometimes hide in trees and surprise people. I did that one time as an experiment in my neighborhood. I climbed up in a pine tree on a sidewalk, and uh, I sat up there for several hours. Half the neighborhood walked right underneath me and had no idea I was up there. So look up. But um, now there are things supposedly you can do to to call Bigfoot to you. I mean, there's people that do the, the Bigfoot calls, and uh, there's a guy out here in Washington State that goes out in the woods and uh, takes a drum set with him, and he plays the drums, and he says that that attracts Bigfoot. He yes. had one jump across the road in front of him one time. So who knows? You know, try something like that. Sounds, noises. But now, one thing I've always wondered, Dave, and maybe you have an answer for this, these guys that, that on TV that do, like, the Bigfoot mating calls, what would happen if they... Did, if they were successful, that you suddenly had an amorous Bigfoot charging out of the woods, what would you do? Well, Run? Take, take one for the team? I, <laughs> well, you, you know what? I, I hate to interrupt there, but up <laughs> up north where I live, like kind of where I live here, just outside mm -hmm. of SOR headquarters, is the Alaskan Highway. Or in Canada, we call it 90, 97 Highway. The Americans call it the, the Alaskan Highway. Mm -hmm. Okay? And... This is where the uh, Highway of Tears kind of starts. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a First Nations lady one time. Uh, this is going back probably seven, eight years ago, way before I started the show. And she sat back and she told me, one, her cousin's wife is one of the missing women. And a lot of First Nations believe, and I'm not trying to overstep my boundaries here, uh, if anybody is First Nations, I'm just going by what I was told. They mm. believe that at least 20 to 30% of the women who have gone missing there have actually been taken as Sasquatch wives. And and this is something that uh, this type of story goes back hundreds of years 
because yeah. they believe the first na- many first nations believe that the sasquatch for some reason there's a real shortage of female sasquatch and because mm-hmm. they're so intertwined with humans and human dna that they are able to breed with human females yeah, I've, I've heard similar stories to that, and there are a lot of reports of Sasquatch that uh, take particular attention to, to females. Right. Uh, and it seems to be especially when it's that time of the month. For some reason, yes. the Sasquatch knows that. I've mm-hmm. heard about women, like, being in a second-floor bathroom and seeing something peer in the window, you know, yeah. like a big hairy something. And that is, I apologize for cutting you off, but that mm-hmm. is actually one of the things she brought up, that if you look at the statistics, the majority of women who have been taken were either pregnant around their menstruation cycle mm-hmm. or they are within one year of giving birth. So they've wow. already given birth and it's it's within that first year of the of the baby's life that they go mm-hmm. missing. And that's in the fae folklore too. There are certain fairies that will steal human babies because the same thing. They want the DNA, they want the human blood to intermingle with theirs so they can create a changeling. Right. So again, it's just it, it all comes back to to fae right now. Right. But uh yeah, I, I don't doubt that at all. Like I said Sasquatch has, has shown an interest in women. Um, but two of the most unusual Bigfoot cases I've ever heard of were on Mount Shasta in California. Uh, one year there was a lady that claimed she saw a female Bigfoot uh, giving birth on a, a slope on Mount Shasta. And then the next year, at almost the same time of year, another lady claims that she observed a female Bigfoot nursing a baby Bigfoot. So if you think about it, one saw it give birth, the other saw it nursing a year later, it's probably the same Bigfoot. But I, you never hear anything like that. That's the, the first and only reports like that. I've heard there may, there may be more out there that I'm not aware of. Well, you know, I just want to tune right back for, to uh, Feldon's question here for a second about advice on being safe. The, uh, the best advice that I could give you is don't worry about finding the Sasquatch. Worry about your own safety first. Mm-hmm. Bring a first aid kit, even if it's a fanny pack pouch. All right, bring bring a knife, bring bring tape, bring rope with you. Fill a backpack of safety items, including candles, including uh, fire starters and everything. Because in the end, whether or not you find Sasquatch or you find a footprint or you find nothing, your own safety is more impo- most important. Bring a flare, Absolutely. Bring a flare with you. So that is probably the best advice that I could give. And if you're looking for evidence, bring rubber gloves. Always bring yeah. rubber, glo- rubber gloves. And know your poo. Seriously, yeah. know your poo. That's, I didn't think about safety. I was thinking about how to find a Sasquatch. But you're right, uh, water. Uh, pack like you're going for a couple of days, even if you're just going to be in there for a few hours. It could save your life. And, and speaking of, um, I remember a while back, uh, Butch Wachowski had what he thought was a Bigfoot scat. Did, did you ever hear anything about that, what they no, found out I, on No, I will or? have to ask him about that. So next time, next time uh, Butch is on, I know you'll be in our chat room. So make sure mm-hmm. you, uh, you ask that. Let's go I'd to, love to know about that. Let's go to 509ers question here. Are lightworkers Mandela effectees, ET contactees, or just conspiracy theorists? Well, I, I can see a lot of overlap in those areas, but I think they're just experiencers. Um, I think the conspiracy theorists are people that just 
try to put it together in a different way. And usually it's, you know, something shadowy, the government or the lizard people or something like that. But I think they're they're all experienced. And with the light workers, you also have people in there like remote viewers and things like that that have some sort of uh, special abilities. Um, the Mandela effectees, that seems to be like there's different timelines. Certain people will remember things a certain way and other people don't. And then the ET contactees, they're almost a, a totally different group altogether, I think. Um, but uh, some of the most uh, sincere people that I've ever heard give their version of things that happened to them were the ET contactees. I saw Travis Walton speak one time, and he is either what he says really happened or he's the most incredible actor ever and should get an Academy Award because he's just he's so sincere, and you can see in his eyes that he's reliving that fear and that time. He was scared to death when all this was going on. Very true. All right. Hector in Mexico is asking, are all these creatures related maybe to UFOs or interdimensional beings? I, I think they very well could be. Um, so there's a lot of overlap. Like I said, there's been a lot of uh, UFO sightings where there would be a Bigfoot sighting at or around the same time, or at least in the same location. Uh, some of the stuff that was happening at Skinwalker Ranch, you had cattle mutilations, cattle disappearing, uh, people appearing. Um, there was one story where the, the the lady, I can't remember the name of the family that lived there when the stuff started happening, but she was washing dishes, looked out the window, saw a portal open up. Uh, a dog man comes strolling out, or a skinwalker, whatever it was, on two legs, comes uh strolling out with a scowl on its face the portal closes up and it just toddles on along and they said another time she was looking at a window she saw what looked like a circle or a portal open up out in the field there was a guy sitting at a desk uh, writing or typing or something he looks up and notices her does something on the desk and then the portal closes back so what in the world you know i think that's some sort of interdimensional technology or something some kind of governmental thing that we're not aware of i mean there's all kinds of you know, you got the, the black ops and the skunk works and, and all that out there. There's so much we don't know about that does exist. Vinny, I love Vinny's question. Are there any friendly creatures out there? I think there are. There there are creatures that have helped people. Um, sometimes not so much. I think maybe it's just an, an individual creature. Like there are certain humans that are nice and there are some that are not nice. Um talking about the glimmer man and this uh, translucent humanoid or whatever it's usually considered a malevolent being and people get a an aura of fear off of it but i heard a story recently where a lady encountered one it walked through the sliding glass door without opening it into her kitchen and um, removed a lump from her forehead that had been diagnosed as cancer she said the thing just just kind of grabbed her and she heard this sucking noise and felt her, something on her forehead and then the next time she went back to the doctor, the tumor was gone. So that's the first time I've heard of a benevolent glimmer man. And then the same with a flannel man. That's usually people get a sense of evil off him. But I had a story from almost 18 years ago. It was in my first book. Before I'd ever even heard of flannel man, that turned out to be a flannel man story. A guy that I knew very well had gotten lost in a state park and it was in there for a couple of days. And it gone in without anything. I think he had a GPS, but it died. He didn't check the batteries. And he literally thought he was going to die. And uh, heard a noise, a rhythmic noise. Turned out there was a guy chopping tree, and he described Flannel Man. He was uh, wearing the, the buffalo plaid print, the red and black print, 
was in there hacking away at a tree with an axe. And uh, the guy asked him, help me, I'm, I'm lost, how to do to get out here. And said the, the, the guy with the axe just kind of looked at him and pointed up the bank. Well, he took all the rest of his strength, but he crawled up the bank and collapsed. There was actually a dirt service road up there. Within a few minutes, a truck came along, a park service employee gets out and helps him in. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. If it hadn't been for the guy down there chopping trees, you know, I'd, I'd be a goner. And so the, the park ranger kind of looks at him and says, yeah, let me go take a look. Goes down over the bank, comes back up in a few minutes, gets in the truck. And they drive the guy to the ranger station and he's in pretty bad shape. So they decide they better call an ambulance. Well, while they're waiting for the ambulance, the, the guy they've been lost says, I hope I didn't get that the woodcutter in too much trouble. Uh, what will happen to him? And the ranger said, son, there was nobody down there chopping trees. There's no evidence anybody that had ever been there cutting trees. He said, we sort of frown on that sort of thing. So that's that's a, a flannel man story before I'd even heard of flannel man. Like I said, that's from 18, almost 20 years ago. Good Canadian kid, that flannel man. <laughs> you know, they just disappear, them Canadians. Uh, we got about five and a half minutes left. Let's get to Sasquatch's question. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What do you know about Will-O-The-Wisp leading people away and never to be seen again? I've heard those stories. They're also known as ghost lanterns and fairy lights. Again, back to the Fae. Uh, that's common in the Smokies. Uh, the Cherokee have stories of... Uh, it's kind of like, I don't want to, I can't, can't remember the, the, the Cherokee words for it, but it means little person, little people. They believe there's a race of people in there that are uh, two and a half, three feet tall. So they, they were at war with them at one time. They tolerate each other now, but they claim that they have lanterns, lights that they can lead you astray and you're never heard from again, or they can rescue you. Um, I've heard stories of both where I guess, depending on whether they like you or not, they can lead you out to safety or uh, lead you into something else. I had one story from a guy that was uh, hunting, not in the park, but near the park. And uh, this was back in the days of uh, the old carbide lanterns. You put a chunk of, as a miner's light, miner's light, you wore it on a hat or a helmet, put a chunk of calcium carbide in there and some water. It gives off a flammable gas. You had a little uh, reflector on the hat and then the flame, it, provided enough light that you could see in the woods 
Well, his, his flame had gone out. He ran out of carbide, and um, he saw what he thought was another hunter with a lantern in front of him. So it's like, okay, well, I'll follow that guy or at least catch up with him and, and make my way out of here. So the area he's going through, he watches the lantern go through this one particular area. When he starts to go through there, he steps off a, a short slope like a bluff, a sheer bluff that's about a 12-foot drop, uh, messed his legs up, uh, jammed his shotgun into the ground both barrels and but he said yet i watched that light like somebody walking across there he said that it was like whatever it was did that on purpose to lead me off that little bluff and try to injure me and then like i said likewise i've heard stories of people that were lost and followed the light and it took them out and then there was nothing there the light just disappeared or went up or um Kind of like uh, Brown Mountain, North Carolina. I've been over there to see the Brown Mountain lights several times. I used to live up in extreme northeastern corner of Tennessee. They're not too far from Boone, North Carolina. And that's some of the most amazing phenomena I've ever seen. Uh, there's been people from uh, Duke University and several scientific uh, universities and, and outfits study those. They've looked into the seismic activity, whether it's uh, some sort of piezoelectricity. It's not. But those have been seen since before automobiles or trains even or anything that could account for that and the story goes that there was uh, two different tribes at war there and uh, that's the the spirits of the natives still running back and forth first time i saw it it looked like somebody with a like a fluorescent lantern almost running through the woods and i thought you know man this could be easy to fake but i'd, I'd gotten there after dark i spent the night and when the sun came up the area where i saw the lights was almost like a sheer cliff and there was no way anybody could run through there. You couldn't even walk through there, let alone run. But then they don't even stay in the trees. Sometimes they'll be up above the trees, and they go down into the, the valley there. Wiseman's Overlook, you can see all that. But uh, I've probably seen them a dozen times or so. I, I never went once that I didn't see them at least a few minutes. And sometimes, especially in the summer, uh, they, they put on a, a lengthy show. Change color, split into two or three, go back into one. No explanation for it. Amazing. We have two minutes left. Let's get to Beehoff's question about goblins. Do you have any goblin accounts? Well, I don't have any personally, but again, that falls under the Fae. The, the goblins are a type of the Fae. They're uh, mischievous. They like to do things, take things. Um, I've, I've heard stories of goblins. I heard a story in uh, came out of um, Riverside, California, about a guy that was driving along, and something jumped out in front of his car. He said it looked like a scarecrow with a pumpkin for a head. Um, it, he said it had long arms, like several feet long. It was reaching out and like scratching at his car. He had a, a twenty-two pistol with him, got out and shot at it. The thing uh, made like a, a gibbering noise and ran away. And uh, there were these deep scratches in the hood of his car. And that's what he described as some sort of goblin creature. So there's stuff out there that's inexplicable. Sometimes stuff like that that's only seen one time. A lot of one-offs, like the uh, the Dover Demon in uh, Dover, uh, Delaware, or, or New Hampshire. I forget where it is. Uh, somewhere up in New England. thing that, that looked kind of like a gray, but wasn't. Uh, some sort of a pale, white little creature with uh, suction cup fingers that uh, ran down in a ditch and held onto a tree and stared at a guy. And I should know where that was at because I actually talked to one of the witnesses. Um, it's the city of Dover, but I can't remember <laughs> the state. Dover, let me take a look here real quick. Dover Demon. 
Uh, but there are other things like that. I mean, you've got the Jersey Devil. I think that's a type of goblin or some type of uh, creature. Uh, I know people that have encountered things in the Pine Barrens. There's some creepy stuff and, and some that's kind of strange, but maybe has a normal explanation. A guy was telling me about, um, he found a pizza in the Pine Barrens. Like just, they were hiking and they came across like a fresh pizza just on the ground in the box. The box was open. He sent some pepperoni pizza. What was that? Was that bait? Was that somebody trying to, you know, was it poison? Was it laced with something? And uh, he saw all kinds of strange things in there. He, Steve, I'm going to get you to hold on right break. there. Okay. <laughs> We're losing track of time here because Steve Stockton, our guest, is literally scaring the daylights out of us if you go into the forest. Find all those books on Amazon. Weird, strange creatures. We continue with Hour 3 next on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. All right, how long we got for this one? Six. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. Thank you, Ozzy, Steve, for the awesome super chat. Hector, thank you as well, my friend. Really appreciate uh, you. Um, I'm way behind in the chat room again, guys. I apologize. I was caught up, but then we got caught up on some questions there. And kind of go from there. We'll find out about the Wendigo, Sonia. By the way, do me a favor, all right? Our good friend here, Sonia. Where did your post go now? I just saw it. There it is. Okay, our good friend here, Sonia. Look how beautiful she is. All right. Yesterday, or two days ago, I checked out her YouTube channel. I was subscriber number 37. Subscriber number 37. We're trying to get her to 100 subscribers, all right? So if you could do us a favor during the break, go over to Sonia's channel, Sonia's News, that's Sonia with a J, apostrophe S, and then News. Let's get her over 100, all right? Let's get her over 100, all right? She's at 91 subscribers. Here's the channel. I'm going to share it, all right? Here's the channel. This has been my project for this week. All right, there's the channel. Go to Sonia's News. Let's see if we can get her over 100 subscribers tonight. She had 91. I'm sure with the 294 people watching right now that we could get her up to 100. There's got to be at least nine people who will subscribe. I think uh, out of 294 people that there is... You know, at least we could get her to 130, 140. Can we all go over to Sonia's channel and let's give her a boost? She really wants to do video. She hasn't done one in a couple of weeks. She gets real nervous. You know, she's her own worst critic. If you listen to her, she's very knowledgeable, but very smart. And let's give her a boost. Let's give her a spaced out radio boost and uh, and give her a quick uh, uh, subscribe, if you don't mind. All right. Look at that. 116. Let's hit 130. Let's hit 130. Yes, Sonia. I told you I was going to do it. I'm so happy. Thank you, listeners. Let's do it. Look at that. Hello, gorgeous block chic. What's happening? 
Yeah, let's hit 130 for her. We're at 116. 123. We're at 123. We need seven more. Let's support her. Let's 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 say to Sonia, we want to watch your stuff. You're damn good. We want to watch your 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 little reports here. I think she's amazing. I like her reports. They're honest and they're from her heart. So let's do this. 126. We need four more. Can we get four more? Let's get her. Come on. 129. We need one. We need one. Let's do this. Boom! There it is. 131. Sonia, I love you, and I hope you're happy about that, because I had a lot of fun with this. I really did. I had a lot of fun with this. So thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, and that means a lot. And... uh Sinister Vax, thank you for the super chat. Really do appreciate it. You guys are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Sonia, you, you realize now, you're at 136 now. You're going to have to put some new content out, my dear. You're going to have to put some new content out. I just forced you to put some new content out. Thank you, Melissa. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Are we going to hit 140? We're going to hit 140? There's 137. Come on, let's hit 140. Do I hear 140? Oh, shoot. I better make sure that I... Uh, hold on. How much time do we got left? Hold on. i got to figure out my time here. All right. We got 90 seconds to hit 140. 90 seconds to hit 140. 138. We need two more. We need two more. One more. We need one more in one minute. One more in one minute. Let's do this thing. Come on, we're at 139. 139. Let's do this. Who's going to be the one? Who's going to be number 140? There it is. 140 and 141. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, man. Totally appreciate you guys. And a big thank you to not only all of you for supporting uh, our, our good friend Sonia and her, and her up, uh, fledgling channel here. We're going to get her going. A big thank you to Sinister Vax, Hector in Mexico, Steve, Heidi, Gabe, Chad, Vincent, aka Vinny, Andrew, Patrick, Adam, Michael times three, Tim, Longhorn, Snakes, and Christopher for the Super Chats. We're going to get going here in approximately 15 seconds. So sit back, relax. Steve Stockton is going to be with us here. And uh, let's have some fun tonight, man. We're having a blast so far. Here we go. Steve, it's time for you to come back. Hope you didn't get lost. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. 
My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet that we call Earth. want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Xerophobus. Xerophobus is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue on tonight with our good friend, and he's a mentor of mine. I love that beard and hair combination. Steve Stockton is here. And we're getting into monsters and all that sort of jazz. You know, Steve, I want to get into portals here. Because I think a lot of these situations where people go missing, we're, we're, they're walking into portals. And when they walk out of that portal, they don't even know that they've gone through. But they're on a different timeline, a different dimension, different whatever. And like nothing has happened to them. Yet on our timeline, poof, they're gone. What do you think of that theory? I, I believe that's a very, very solid theory from evidence I've seen people that I've talked to that, that things like that have happened to. I interviewed a lady on a Missing Persons and Mysteries one time, talked about when she was a little girl. Um, in her neighborhood, there was uh, some people that had a Coke machine on their front porch. It was a way to make a little extra money and talk to their neighbors and stuff. People would go over, buy a Coke out of the machine, stand and, and talk. And she was on her way to, to get a Coke. And uh, she passed by a man standing in a vacant lot, and um, he looked at her and said, it's, and she's thinking, she's looking at the vacant lot and thinking, you know, that'd be a good place to play kickball or whatever, got to tell my friends about this. And she said, the, the man kind of looked at her and said, it's a beautiful day, isn't, and before he could say isn't it or whatever, he was just gone, he disappeared. So she's like, you know, that's weird. She kept walking. She goes down the street where she's been dozens of times, gets a soft drink, she's walking back. And there's no vacant lot there now. Not only is the man gone, the vacant lot's gone. And uh, she thinks that there was some sort of portal or time slip or something there that somewhere in another time, another dimension, there was a man that saw a little girl walk by that disappeared. And she said, you know, then when I thought about that, I knew there was a vacant lot. I grew up on that street. I'd made that trip in a straight line to the neighbors that had the Coke machine and back dozens and dozens of times since I was old enough to go down there by myself. I knew there wasn't a vacant lot there. She said, sure enough, there was a uh, a building there, a house or something. So I think, and the way she described it, how she sort of had it figured in her head was that the time like that, the dimensions are like um, sheets of silk that you can kind of see through them. Sometimes they get close enough that they touch together. And when they touch, you can kind of see through both of them at the same time. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes part of what's on one piece will adhere to the other for a little while, and then when they separate, it goes back. And I, I think that's a good analogy. And uh, I've covered missing person cases like that, too, where persons, you know, I was walking along, and suddenly nothing looks different. I turned around. I know that I came down this trail, but I don't recognize anything on the way back. 
the, the trees look different. The rocks look different. There's no road there. The, the water's on the other side. Things like that. I think that that happens. And uh, one of the strangest suppositions I've, I've heard about that, there's uh, two camps. There's these uh, people that believe that there are stairs in the woods and people that claim that that's just a creepypasta. Well, my theory on that is if you had either some kind of craft that you landed in the woods on a regular basis, you would you would need something to for people that, that couldn't levitate or whatever, some way to get in and out of that. Remember years and years ago, when you flew on a plane, they'd actually roll the stairs out on the tarmac, and you'd get on the plane or off the plane on a set of stairs, and then they'd roll them away. You couldn't roll those out in the woods. So what better thing to do than to build steps there so that when you were departing or arriving, boom, you got something to walk down. Or what better place to put a portal than at the top of the stairs? And again, like I said, people claim that that's just made up, but then if there were somebody trying to cover that up that didn't want you to believe it or know about it, that'd be the perfect ruse. You know, well, oh, that's just a creepy pasta. That's made up. Those don't exist. And that's one of those things that I've, I've seen almost fistfights break out over whether stairs in the woods actually exist. I've never seen them, but I've talked to people that claim they've seen them. And uh, I've even had people ask me that if you saw a set of stairs in the woods, would you climb? I, I probably would, especially if I had my dog with me. I, I would step through a portal just to see what's on the other side. Probably be like the old Land of the Lost TV show from the 70s. I'd probably be some in some land fighting dinosaurs or something, but I'd like to see what's on the other side. And if I had my dog with me, it wouldn't matter if I ever came back or not. <laughs> our, our good friends at uh, Third Phase of Moon are asking, because they're from Hawaii, and they are asking, have you ever had any reports of Sasquatch being spotted in Hawaii? Uh, I have heard of a Sasquatch-like creature in Hawaii. Um, I can't remember what they call it. Maybe, maybe a yaoi? I don't remember. I've, I've heard it called a yaoi. That may be in Australia. But uh, I have heard of some. It doesn't seem to be as big as the Bigfoot that you see in the continental states or in, in North America. But I've heard it's a, a smaller but equally hairy creature, and they have a lot darker, coarser fur. I can't remember the name of it, but there there have been reportings of things like that there. Hawaii's got a lot of strange... Um, the night marchers. That's folklore, my favorite The night story. marchers, uh, Pele sightings. Um, there's a lot of disappearances in Hawaii. I uh, covered one today about a guy. There's a place there called, uh, here we go, Stairs, the Haiku Stairs. It was um, a structure at one time that was used by the U.S. military. They had some sort of observation installation, and it's this really steep set of stairs that uh, I think now doesn't go to anywhere except for an overlook, but it's been closed since 1985, and uh, it's illegal to, to go there and hike up these. It's also known as the Stairway to Heaven because it's so steep. But there are still people that will sneak and hike at that risk, uh, arrest and fines and things. And there was a guy named, I um, can't remember his first name, last name was Pua, that uh, went missing. He climbed up there and they never saw him again. They saw him, people saw him going up the stairs, but he never came back down. So something took him somewhere and uh, he had made some pictures with his cell phone. And in one of the pictures, it does look like a, a dark figure of a man uh, hiding in the woods behind him or observing him or something. So. A lot, of, a lot of strange things in Hawaii. All right, let's move on. Abe, a good friend, Mennonite Abe. Steve, have you ever heard of the Green Children? If it's the story I'm thinking about, it's a boy and a girl that, I uh, can't remember, I believe that was somewhere in uh, 
Europe, somewhere in the UK, where the children showed up, and they they claimed they were from a land, and they, they had a name for it. They had a, their own language and things, but it was it didn't exist on any globe or map or anything. And uh, I think the boy got sick and, and passed away, but the girl lived to be an adult. And I may have that turned around. I'd have to look into my research. Uh, they they didn't recognize food or anything really. There wasn't very much that looked appealing to them. But although the the one that survived did begin to eat food and began to speak in English, and uh, she claimed that uh, or he whichever one survived claimed that they were from a, a land. He gave the name of it and said that the sun shined all the time there. They had uh, two or three suns or something like that. So it sounds like they were interdimensional or interplanetary or something and just. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Showed up. And it's a fascinating case. But again, have no idea what anything like that is like. Jules is asking, have you ever received any reports from the Gulf Coast, Alabama, and the vicinity areas? Uh, there's there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on in the Gulf down there, a lot of UFO activity. Alabama, uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, um, uh, Galveston, Texas, all the way over into the Florida Panhandle, a lot of the UFO activity. Um, there's uh, phantom ships and things that they see out on the water. Uh USOs, unidentified submerged objects, they see things moving around in the water, some type of a machinery or craft that also can become UFOs. I've heard stories of things seen moving under the water. It looks like a small submarine or something, and then it takes off into the air and flies away. And as far as I know, we don't have any technology like that, not to the degree that, that this is described. And likewise, there have been things that didn't crash into the water but landed in the water and then submerged. So, I don't know. Do, we, do you think maybe the government has flying submarines, Dave? <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> I really don't. YJ is asking, Steve, is the pos- is this possibly what they mean when they say the veil is the thinnest around Samhain? Yeah, I, I agree. Samhain, that's more of a, a druid, um, traditional pre-Christianity thing. But yeah, there, there are certain times a year when the veil is thin between this world and the next. It's easier to communicate with spirits. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, I know people that uh, 
hold seance as well. My my grandmother, that side of the family on my mom's side, they were they came out of the spiritualism movement around the turn of the last century. They regularly held seances, uh, table tappings, or table tipping, some people call it, uh, pendulum dowsing. Uh, my grandmother was a self-proclaimed gypsy witch, although I don't know where she got the gypsy part because they were from England uh, when they landed in Cades Cove here in the U.S. But apparently somewhere way back in the family history, there was uh, they'd come out of Hungary or Romania or somewhere. But she called herself a gypsy witch. Nowadays in Appalachia, she's what was known as a granny witch or um, even a kitchen witch. And that's somebody that just uses what's at hand. They don't have any specialized tools. Uh, the bowl that she used for scrying divination the night before, you might be eating tater salad out of it the next day at dinner. Uh, same, you know, just whatever she, she used, whatever she had. But she told fortunes. She read tea leaves. She read coffee grounds, uh, palmistry, uh, phrenology, which that's kind of a lost art. That was where you could tell people about their destiny by the, the bumps and ridges on their skull. Um, animal entrails. That was another thing. Um, they garden and farmed and things they had uh, they did truck farming produce and they also raised cattle horses and hogs and uh, every fall when they would slaughter hogs she would pick out one that was hers and uh, when they slaughtered that one she would poke around in its guts with a stick and then she was able to tell what next year's growing season and farming season would be like and according to my uncles who knew this sort of thing and worked on the farm and stuff she was more accurate than the old farmer's almanac if if any of you older people know what that is (laughs) that is awesome that is completely awesome oh okay so but but they talked about that that there were certain times of the year when the veil was thin and it is around that time of year. And it's part of the whole death and rebirth and thing like that, that, you know, the, the fall represents the dying wintertime, the things are dead and then there's a rebirth in the spring. But I believe that. And there's certain hours of the day that the veil center too. what they talk about being the witching hour. Uh, there's kind of an argument on that. Some people will say it's midnight. Other people will say it's between two and three in the morning, but any of those times to me, I think can be the witching hour. I love this topic because, you know, I have family who are truckers. We have listeners like uh, Game Vet and Andrew who are long-haul truckers across the United States. And Adam is asking here, do you have any accounts of truckers seeing cryptids or anything weird while driving? Yeah, truckers often uh, report strange things, I mean, especially those uh, the long-haul guys that do the, the coast-to-coast runs and things like that or, or really long-distance runs. They see everything from Bigfoot to uh, ghosts. Um, there's a lady that's got a book called Trucker Ghosts, and I, her name escapes me right now. You may have had her yes, on the show. Annie Wilder. Annie Wilder. I couldn't remember the Wilder part, but that's just one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And it's just it's all about these strange, mostly uh, ghost-type encounters that these truckers have had. But it, they do see other things, too. I've heard of them seeing, like, chupacabras and Bigfoot and... I uh, heard one uh, truck driver give an account of something that he described as a baby Bigfoot that was sitting on the side of the road looking sad, like it was had its lip stuck out like it was going to cry, and uh, turned around and went back to look for it, and it was gone. And he, he thought it was like some sort of lost traveler, some little Bigfoot that got away from the, the parent and didn't know where to go, so he just sat down and waited on the side of the road. But, uh, yeah, this especially some of these shows. Dave, you've probably got a lot of truck drivers that listen to you on terrestrial radio. 
uh, that's just one of the things they do. I know Art Bell was famous for the, the truck driver contingency. He would have truckers that would call in that would listen to the show that would uh, honk their air horn and stuff. There you go. Dave Scott is a new Art Bell. I've heard you call the Canadian Art Bell, so there you go. That's what Grant Cameron says. You know what? There's only one Art Bell. The rest of us are playing second fiddle. That's all I will say. <laughs> That's some big shoes to fill. Way too you. big. Way too I was big. only on Art's show one time, and he was sick that night. Uh, Heather Wade, his producer, was uh, yeah. running the show. And uh, she had just started doing that. She was very nervous and had never... She'd never even been a producer before. I thought she had a background in communications. No. She didn't. Art just picked her. And uh, I was on with her. Uh, Art was ill. But during one of the breaks, he called in to tell her what a good job he was doing. And I told my black-eyed kids story. And Art heard that. And he said, that was, that was a fascinating story. And I was just like, wow. You know, the man himself. He just talked to you. I never, got, I, never, <laughs> yeah. I never got a chance to talk with him. And it was just patched through like that. I would love to have been on the show with Art. But oh, unfortunately, yeah. that never happened. Oh, you know, you know what the sad part about paranormal radio is, is that the best came first. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to, in Canadian terms, we had to wait seventy plus years of hockey before we got Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> you know, boxing yeah. had to wait centuries before Muhammad Ali. You know, basketball had to wait fifty years before Michael Jordan. Comes to paranormal radio, the first came out of the gate, the best. And we're yeah. all playing second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth fiddle after that. It, it, it really is. And God bless Art Bell. Question from Sonia here. And she is asking, what do you know about the Wendigo? Uh, it's a Native American creature, another shapeshifter. Uh, as, as just about all the, the things in the First Nations, like they have some sort of ability to change. And uh, I believe they exist. Uh, I believe I encountered one once when I was a kid. Um, you know, a childhood friend um, ran into something. Uh, his parents lived way back out in the woods. Their driveway was a couple miles long. And about halfway up that driveway, there was an old shale pit there. And up on top of the shale pit, there was a little shack that was just falling in on itself. It had been a working farm at one time, several hundred acres. And uh, we were down there in the shale pit looking for fossils, and um, we heard some kind of noise. We both looked up about the same time, and in the window of this little shack, there was a thing, Dave, it it had like the the skull of a horse, but without any skin on it. It had big, round eyes, but instead of on the sides like a horse, they were in the front, and it had sharp teeth. I don't know what it was, but it growled at us. And um, I couldn't see if it had antlers. Now, I've seen drawings of Wendigo with and without the antlers. And we could only see it from, you know, about just below the neck up. But it's whether it was a rictus grin or a hungry grin, it was frightening. So we ran screaming back up the driveway. And uh, his mom finally got us calmed down to some degree. And his dad came out. His dad was just a real no-nonsense kind of guy. And uh, he was a full-blooded Cherokee. He would grew up on a reservation. And he's like, you know, you boys shut up. He's like, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see what this thing is. Took his shotgun, went down the hill. We're waiting out in the front yard, no drinking Kool-Aid and scared to death. And kept waiting for, you know, screaming and shooting and growling. Nothing. Not what seemed like forever, probably 15, 20 minutes. You know, we were kids. He came back up the driveway. He's got shotgun over his shoulder. And he just had a just a weird, weird look on his face. And he took us over under an apple tree. I'll never forget this. And he said, I, I want you boys to promise me you'll never, ever go back down there around that shack for any reason. And we did. 
and I've kept that promise to this day. I don't know if my friend ever went back down there or not to the no the way. shell pit. And then a couple of weeks later at school, my friend told me, he's like, you know that shack that we saw that thing in? And I'm like, yeah. He said, my dad pulled it down into the shell pit with a tractor and burned it. So whatever he saw, and then being First Nations, he knew it was something. I think it was probably something sent for him or it had something to do with him because he knew what it was, and but just wouldn't talk about it. And that's another Native thing. Uh, the elders will caution you about talking about things or even thinking about things in some respects, almost like a topo. You feed energy yeah. into it, and it can come after you. There's certain things that you don't name out loud or you'll get in trouble. Absolutely. And, you know, you're not – you know, even us mentioning the word Wendigo or Skinwalker, you know, mm. is supposed to cause harm. And yep. and because we're putting it out there to the public. Let's move on here. Race fan is wondering if you have any updates on the Todd C's missing person case. I, I haven't heard any updates. Now, isn't that the one where they found him in a tree or they found in, in the, part of him in a tree? And the, the, in the rocks. Had the, had the uh, forerunner there, whatever, four-wheeler. And an area that had been searched uh, every day while he was missing, and the searchers had to walk past that area point every day in order to yeah. get into the bushes. And that's that's a common thing in these cases. I couldn't tell you how many times people are eventually found in an area that's like that, where they've walked right by them. They've searched the area multiple times, uh, different search and rescue, different volunteers, dog teams and then yet just there they are just like they turned up there but that is a very strange case um uh i can't remember what had something had to do with the tree they found either part of him or parts of his clothing or something clothing, way up I in a tree too. and uh, the, the the forerunner or whatever kind of toy he was riding there i think he still had the keys in it might have even been still running or something when they found it and uh he'd just gone out to to have a look around and then that was the last they ever saw of him but I, I know they they tried to to blame that on drugs or something. Supposedly he had cocaine in his system or something like that. But I think that's beside the point. But uh, this strange, strange case. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So we continue on with Steve Stockton tonight. We got about ninety seconds before we have to go to break. Greco, Opa, to you, Greco. Do you believe there might be any middle civilizations? Um, now, you're talking about middle, like Middle Earth type things. I would, like, ass- uh, I would assume so. That's that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I think so. I mean, like uh, in Gemma's book, where she goes into depth about the Fey and their hierarchy, they have queens, they have royalty, they have uh, they're, they're almost like ant colonies. They have workers and uh, people that they work for, people that direct them, like almost treat them like slaves and things. I think there is civilizations in a hierarchy like that among elves, gnomes, trolls. The Fey elementals, uh, any kind of guardians and things like that. I think they're they're ones with uh, greater powers and ones with lesser powers, and they would almost, if they exist together, if they coexist, they would almost have to have some kind of civilization. Otherwise, it'd just be chaos. It totally would. It totally would. You know what? I'm. You know what I'm excited about? I'm excited for the fact that uh, you're going to stick around the next half hour. Okay, no problem. You know, I I really do appreciate you sticking around and and uh, being. I wasn't fooling earlier when I asked you that an hour ago during the break. So I'm I'm gonna just sit, call it right now. We're gonna go the distance here. Steve Stockton, okay. he is one My of the. Pleasure. If you want, if you want, I know yeah, I just yeah, put you no, on the spot. 
My pleasure. Um, I do ghost stories at midnight. I'm going ahead and setting that up in the background now. So when I finished here, my people that are expecting me there, I'll just go right on over. So yeah, I can go right up to midnight. Even right. a little after if you need me to. Oh uh, no, we'll be good until until uh, the time runs out. And uh, yeah, let's put that up because I know uh, your address. If anybody needs to get a hold of you, Steve Stockton eighty one at gmail dot com. We'll be back with more spaced out radio when we return. Creepy stories with one of the best storytellers. Thirteen past midnight is his channel. I listen to it when I go to bed each and every night. You should too. Steve Stockton, one of the best. We got it for another 30 minutes here. Let's rock and roll. We'll be back right after this. We got five minutes, Steve. Okay, I'm going to take do, another. Do you have enough time? Break. Oh, yeah. I've already got my software that I stream with running in the background. Okay. I just it takes like 30 seconds to, to fire everything up. All right. Are you, so I, I, yeah, but are you live on that? Or are you just monitoring it? Uh, I go live for like the first hour or two, just go in and talk, do a monologue. And I think most people just show up for that. And then afterwards I play, um, recordings from LibriVox. It's a company that takes, uh, books that are in the public domain and then they narrate them and then release that recording out into the public domain. So anybody can do anything with them. They've got a good uh, fictional ghost story collection. I've been doing that. I think this is, I want to say night 188 in a row. It's been, I've been doing it about six months, every single night. Wow. And then on Missing Persons and Mysteries, um, production videos over there. And then Friday, we have Campfire Stories. And then Sunday, we do the Fireside Chat with Jim and I, where we just talk about what we're doing and things that we're into. I want to come, um, I want to come hang out with you one night. Okay. Well, come this Friday if you want to. Uh, Missing Persons and Mysteries, Campfire Stories, uh, special Friday the 13th episode. Uh, we can have up to eight guests. We, I use StreamYard for that one. Right. So uh, come over and just you can sit on the panel, do whatever you want to do. That is awesome. That is awesome. And, uh, yeah, that channel, it has absolutely blown up. We just passed our 100,000 subscribers. I can't believe did it, you get your pla- can, Are you getting your plaque from YouTube? Getting the plaque. I can't wait. That's going to be yeah. more to me than any award, certificate, degree, anything I've ever received, that play button means more. Even more than the blue ribbon that I won in the sixth grade science fair that somebody stole off the exhibit before I even got to take it home. But a play button, I'm going to unbox it on the air. Oh, dude, I want a photo of you holding it up like a championship belt. I'll do it. I got to run back here for just a second, but I'll be right back. So exciting. 100,000 subscribers. I hope we're able to uh, one day get there. Thanks, race fan. Appreciate that. What a great show. 13 Past Midnight is the channel. 13 past midnight. That's his uh, creepy pasta channel. Steve is great on YouTube. Great.
And thank you. I mean, we had a we've had a hell of a jump in subscribers tonight because of Steve. We really have. It's going to fire up my trolls even more. What do we have? 13,008. So we jumped uh we jumped a number of subscribers tonight. Thank you everyone. Thanks, gorgeous Jenny Metz. Hey, look at that. There's uh, there's Cousin Gary right there. Everyone say hi to Cousin Gary. Gary has a 52-year-old mustache. He got it when he was like nine years old. He glued it on, and it is still there today. Wham, bam, ham, how you doing? Thank you for joining us. What's a little Marky Spender messaging me about? Oh, Katie, his daughter, Katie is listening. Hi, Nomi. How you doing, beautiful? I love you. Yeah, Katie is like the another daughter to me. Love her. And uh, Katie, you're awesome. Hi, little Marky Spender. Hi, Baxter. Or has Baxter gone to bed? Cousin Gary there, he just sneaks in. He's like our hit-and-run guy. You know, he throws in one quick comment, and then he disappears back off into the sunset again. I, I know Cousin Gary is is laughing right now over the mustache comment. Yeah, Gary's like 61 years old, and he's had his mustache for 52 years. Uh, oh, by the way, SuperQuest, uh, I emailed you uh, or I DM'd you uh, Steve's email on your uh, Twitter account. I did have it up, so I did uh, grab it and email it to you or DM you on Twitter. So that way you got it. Uh, which gnome? Which gnome? This one? Look, I'm Fap. I can't fit in the camera. I'm fap. Huh? See the size of my head? We rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show. For the final time tonight, we introduce one of our power guests tonight, Steve Stockton. 13 Past Midnight is one of his YouTube channels. This is the one I go to bed to each and every night. That and Swamp Dweller, which will be our guest tomorrow night. 
And I got to tell you, there's some creepy stories there. There really is. But Steve is one of the good investigators, and he's one of the uh, top researchers. And this guy, uh, on his other YouTube channel, just passed 100,000 subscribers. And he's going to get the plaque, and he's going to take a picture of holding it up high. Dude, I'm so proud of you for that. <laughs> I just I can't believe it. And just that, that many people, I mean, where I went to college at the University of Tennessee, that's what our football stadium as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Holes. You know, I can imagine me standing out there on the 50-yard line talking to all these people. It's kind of scary in a way. And then I was looking at the analytics on YouTube. On the last 28 days, we got 1.25 million views. So, you know, over a million people heard my voice in the last month. That's that's scary. You know, that's like people in my head or something, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I found my niche. I'm doing what I was born to do. So. Well, you know what? You deserve it. You really do. You're, you're a hard worker, and uh, you really do deserve uh, all the best. And I, I want to say thank you and uh, Anne from KPNL and letting us be a part of the family there down in Oregon. And, and you know, uh, we have talked behind the scenes that as soon as this COVID crap is over, that KPNL uh, Digital Radio is going to be doing a, a weird night where Steve and I are going to go out there. We're going to uh, we're going to have a talk. I'm going to drive down to Portland or fly down to Portland, and we're going to have a, a night of adventuresome stories uh, that we're going to share with uh, the public. Uh, we, we're we all waiting for COVID to be over, so that way we could get a date set in Portland for everybody to come hang out with us and, and uh, share some stories and fun and information and photographs and, and, and some drinks. So uh, I, I just can't wait for that to happen, man. Oh, I'm telling you, I've already got it planned out. I uh, picked a, a tiny little theater that I want a four wall and we'll have a stage. We can sit up on the stage and, and talk to people. There'll be a, a cash bar and going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, just waiting for the okay. Unfortunately, though, it looks like we're about to go back down into lockdown again. Oh, so, I hope not. Uh, I don't want to hear that, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then I also uh, heard you talk about doing something in Vegas at some point i'd like to be in on that oh I yeah for, for sure in vegas for about 10 years and had just the most amazing time 
ever. Met a lot of celebrities out there, got into a lot of things. Um, it's one of those places, I mean, it's 24-7, wide open all the time, and it, it wears on you after a while. Plus the, the crowds and the heat and just the, I don't know, but it's it's awesome out there. Hey, Dave Altman, good to see you. Dave's a good buddy that, of mine. That's he's, a, little he's a talent Dave, scout. Little Davey S- Altman, we call him around here. You know, Sagged after talent scout there. He's a nice guy in having your corner. Dave Dave actually gave me crap the other day because I, I every time he comes into the room I, I call him little Davy Altman. And apparently in some other <laughs> chat rooms on YouTube, there's people going up to him now on a daily basis saying, Hey little Davy Altman and he's like, Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Dave's a good guy. He's a very good guy. Very good guy. Uh, Patrick Phillips, new to our chat, thank you, Patrick, for joining us, is asking, Steve, have you heard of all the creepy tales down here where he is in the Bankhead National Forest, Alabama? I've heard some stories from that part of Alabama. Uh, Cisco Murdoch, who has an excellent channel called um, Journey Through the Gate Paranormal Portal Podcast, mouthful. Uh, She and I wrote a book together. It's called... um, Again, one of her long titles. We're all children in the wilderness of the afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Uh, it's, it's her book, her stories. I just She did the heavy lifting. I went along behind her and uh, wrote anecdotal stuff at the end of each chapter. But uh, she's got some amazing Alabama stories. She grew up uh, between New Jersey and Alabama, spent time different places because of her uh, situation with her uh, parents and her guardians and things there. But she's got some wild, wild stories from Alabama. And uh, she's got a, a series that's on 13 Past Midnight. It's on her channel, too, called Cabin 22. And it's a fictional story, but she's taken all these things that actually happen. There's Bigfoot in there. There's Dogman in there. There's ghost children. There's exorcists and uh, occultists and everything. And that's, I can't remember the name of the place in Alabama, but it's near that area. And, yeah, she said there's just all kinds of strange things that go on. And I don't doubt it. I've seen some some strange stuff in Alabama around uh, Scottsboro and that area, a little place called Skyline. That's, uh, that's, that's Bigfoot country back out in there. Man, I got to tell you, I would love to do some traveling to find some of these places. You know, you bring up the stairwells earlier on, and that one always creeps me out. What, what creeps you out, Steve? What's the one that just gives you the shivers? Um, partial apparitions. Um, I'd rather see a full-bodied apparition or even a, a head, a flying head or something. Uh, the ones that, that get me, there was um, a famous uh, murder in uh, East Tennessee in Gatlinburg. It's known as the Rocky Top Murders. The Rocky Top Inn was the name of the place they happened. And uh, afterwards, they see a pair of female legs uh, come out of one of the rooms and go around. There was a, a water feature there, like a fountain, a water fountain. And just from the knees down, they see this pair of legs run out. And that goes in with what happened. Uh, the people that had her in the room there that eventually killed her, she got away from them at one point, made a run across the parking lot, went around that fountain. They came around the other side, grabbed her, and took her back in the room, and then later murdered her. And then also uh, Mammoth Cave uh, in Kentucky. There's a lot of hauntings and weird stuff there. It's where uh, Floyd Collins was trapped in there and died like, I think it was back in the 30s or so, kind of captivated the nation. That was all over the radio and in the newspapers and things that he was caught in that cave and, and couldn't get out and eventually died in there. Um, 
and uh, there's a like an intercom system that runs from like where the entryway and the little gift shop and things are up to the mouth of the cave. And they say there's times that that intercom will go off when the cave's closed, like somebody in the cave is calling them. And when they pick it up, they'll hear like distant voices and things on it. But there, they've seen a guy in overalls from the waist down, running down the hill. Overalls and, and like work boots, but just the legs and the feet. So to me, something just partial like that, it's it's much more frightening than if I saw a whole ghost. Uh, the first ghost I ever saw was an apparition of a little boy about two years old. Didn't scare me at all. I was just like, huh, what's that? You know, that's not supposed to happen. Little kids don't run across the street into my yard and fall down and disappear. It oh. just, it piqued my interest. But if it had been a, a pair of toddler legs, I wouldn't have anything to do with a paranormal. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. You know, uh, one of the freakiest things that happened with my son, and my son's eight now, but uh, my buddy Mark, who's t- tuned in, when we did our paranormal museum tours around here to raise money for the museum, we would go to the buildings before the tour, a few hours before the tour, to remind the ghosts of the buildings that we were doing a tour that night, and we'd appreciate if they participate. So we go into this one little room, and my, we call it, uh, oh gosh, I forget what we called the room. Uh, long story short, it's like a cabin. And my son walks in there, and this was, we, we were just getting ready to open up this building to the tour. We'd never used it before. And we go in, and my son starts looking, and we got the feeling. You know, you get the feeling you're being watched. And mm-hmm. so my son says, I see someone or something along those lines. And I say, well, do you see a, do you see a man? He goes, no. Do you see a, a woman? He goes, no. He was four at the time. I said, well, what do you see? He goes, I see a little boy. I said, well, where oh. is he? And he go and he points in, to Mark, from Mark and I, he goes, he's under the kitchen table. And Mark and I look, there's nothing there. But clear as day, my son sees him. And my son's, hi, you know, and all this. So we're like, okay, this, now this is all sorts of awesome, right? We go mm-hmm. back a week later and my son's like, daddy, can I come with? And I'm like, yeah. So we go with, and my son's, we open up the building again. And my son's looking around and he's got the, you know how kids are. They want to play. They want to play with other kids. And he, and my son got, has this big frown on his face and I said, what's the matter, bud? He goes, well, I wanted to play with the little boy this time. And now he's not here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, man, that's okay. Reminds me of a, a story I heard about uh, parents had gone to this place with their, their little girl. And uh, it was like a restaurant in an old uh, lodge. And... um the little girl started laughing during dinner, and they're like, what are you laughing at? And she said, that lady on the stairs. And they're like, what lady? And she said, the lady with her braid around her neck making faces and dancing. And what had happened in this place, uh, a lady had hung herself from the rafter in the stairwell. So what the little girl was seeing thought it was a, a hair braid around her neck. It was a rope, and the, the lady was choking her, you know, hanging and making the faces and, and jerking about. And the little girl thought it was funny. And I've heard of other stuff like that. Um, there used to be a carousel out here on, uh, I can't remember the name of the little island. It's out in the middle of the river between uh, Portland and Vancouver. Um, Jensen Island, I think. 
and uh, there was a couple of kids that were killed on it at one time. And uh, I heard a story of a woman that uh, took her son there, and he was riding it, and he kept looking like down in the middle where the, the motor and stuff was. And he's like, Mommy, there's, there's kids under there. And she's like, no, there's not. And he's like, no, there are. And they're, they're telling me they, they want me to come under there and play with them. And that's that to me, that's just really creepy. They ended up dismantling that. It's in a warehouse somewhere. But there had been kids killed on there. And this kid had no way of knowing that. And he's looking down in the gears and stuff. He's like, Mommy, there's kids down there. Oh, they man. want me to come and play with them. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not yeah, going to play at all. Hard, hard pass for me, too. Yep, that's where you grab the kid by the wrist, not the hand, the <laughs> wrist. And you're like, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere on that one. You know, kids, kids are open to things like that. They haven't been taught that it doesn't exist or that you can't see things like that. Um, there were uh, kids that I played with when I was small that came out of the woods. And they were they were real. They wore, like, they had blue jeans and flannel shirts and stuff. They didn't talk, which I always thought was weird. And I thought, well, maybe they didn't have anything to say. I was, like, five, six, seven years old. And uh, then they would leave, same way, back through the woods, over the hill, gone. And as an adult, I asked my dad, said, when we lived down there at the Springs, there's a couple of little kids that used to come out of the woods. Uh, and I played with them. And I, you know, any idea who those kids were? Because I didn't go to school with them or anything. And my dad said, you mean your imaginary friends? And I'm like, no, these weren't imaginary. I could see them. And he's like, no, we used to see you playing down there all the time, but you were by yourself. But I saw and played with these two little kids. And when I told him the direction they'd come from, the direction they'd go, uh, there was nothing over there. At one time, that had led to the river. Uh, Tennessee Valley Authority had dammed up the river and made Melton Hill Lake out of the Clinch River in that area. And my dad said, no, the only thing there is over there, there used to be a cemetery, but it's under the lake now. And I just like, what? <laughs> so I believe those are like farm kids or something from the 30s. But it never occurred to me that they weren't real because I could see them and I could interact with them, but they didn't talk. And that's that's just one of the, the strange things that I encountered as a child. And where that area was, it was we had seven springs, seven natural springs that flowed out of hillsides into a bigger creek, which went down into the lake. We call that the bottoms. We always had a garden and stuff down there. We lived on 26 acres, and only about five of it was cleared off. The rest of it was heavily wooded. But my dad had built a little bridge across the creek there. And there's times that I'd be down in there playing. If it started to get dark, I'd get spooked, and I would run until I got across that bridge. And then I was fine. And the same with these two little boys that I played with. I'd say one was maybe six or seven, about my age. The other was maybe a year or two older. They would never cross the bridge. They never came over into that part of the yard well looking back on that that's part of ghost lore supposedly a ghost can't cross running water so that would be why they never crossed the bridge and why i had uh, a feeling like i needed to get across the bridge in a hurry sometimes when it started to get dark oh that's that's just all kind of creepy <laughs> woo right there man that is all kind of creepy woo uh, as we move on what what's the scaredest you've been in any encounter that you've had? Um, the absolute, well, I told you about the, the Wendigo thing that we saw. Yeah. Uh, there was another thing in that, that place where I told you where I was growing up. Uh, there was a ditch there that had actually been the old stagecoach rail, uh, road through there, going back to like colonial times. Uh, something came out of that ditch and chased me once that I couldn't see. I could see the effect that it was having on other things. I could see the leaves kicking up. I could see branches being knocked about. I could literally feel its footfalls. It was that heavy. 
and uh, but there was nothing there. I couldn't see it. And I ran down the hill screaming. I was about a quarter mile away from the house. My mom actually came out on the back porch to see what all the commotion was. I passed her up and went inside and hid under the furniture. And um, my dad and my brother got home from work, and they went up there and looked. I wouldn't go back with them. I'd go part of the way, but I wouldn't go back up there. And they looked down in the ditch. They looked around the ditch. They could see where the leaves and the trees and stuff had been disturbed. And they're like, well, was it a bear? Was it a deer? Was it this, that? No, you know, I could see all those things. I couldn't see whatever this was. I was like seven, I think, maybe eight. Well, flash forward a few years later, I'm 15. We're getting ready to move away from there. And I was just kind of wandering around. Like, so we had, you know, 20-something acres. So I had a lot of places that I liked to go in the woods just for solitude and, you know, build a tree for it or whatever. And I, I just kind of walked back up there, and I was kind of laughing, you know, chuckling, like, what, what that was that scared me, you know, when I was a kid all those years ago. I looked down into the ditch to that old roadway. So I turned to walk away. I heard familiar noise, something running in the leaves. I turned around, same thing, uh, seven, almost eight years later. Whatever it was came up out of the ditch, was headed straight toward me. I didn't run screaming and crying that time, but I didn't waste any time getting out of there. Ran back down the hill. It, it only went so far, didn't follow me. And then fast forward another five or six years, I was working in West Knoxville, and a guy that I worked with, only knew him from work, and I'd only worked there a short time, invited me to a party after work. And I'm not a big social butterfly or anything, but I went with him. And um, he was the only person I knew there. I didn't know any of the other people. And uh, just barely knew him. I'd never told him that story. And uh, some of the girls that were there found a Ouija board under the host's couch. And they got it out and started playing with it. So they're going around the room and they're asking people different things. So when they got to me, I thought, I've got a good one for you. And this is all I said. What scared me as a child? So they're doing their thing with the Ouija board. It spells out W-A-T-E-R-S-P-R-I-T-E. Water Sprite. And they're looking at me and I'm, I don't know. And they're like, what does it mean? You know, Water Sprite? Does it want to drink? Ha, ha, ha. But uh, I just shrugged. But then the next day I went to the library and I went up to the reference desk and I asked the reference library, I said, what can you tell me about a water sprite? And uh, sure enough, in a few minutes, she had some books. And it was like the Fae, elementals, stuff like that. Uh, there's two types of spirits in the, the forest that are guardians of the forest. There's a naiad and a dryad. And I, I get them confused. I think the naiad is the water spirit and the dryad is the tree spirit. But uh, the one that protects the water is also known as a water sprite. And... Like I said, where this area, where that happened, there were seven natural springs that flowed out of a hillside in the woods. So either one of those would play, but I don't know why it chased me. I don't know why it didn't want me there. That was the second most scared I've ever been. Now, the absolute scaredest I've ever been was in the late 90s when I encountered two black-eyed kids in uh, West Knoxville. Uh, two little girls in a parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning. They were sitting on the curb. Um, I was working in information technology at the time, and I was wiring up a, a comprehensive uh, medical center after hours. Finishing up, going out to my car about 2 o'clock in the morning, putting my I was driving a little Mazda Miata at the time. So it was like playing Tetris, trying to get network cable and tools and things in the trunk. And I see these two little girls um, sitting on the curb, and I thought, well, you know, that's weird, because this is an industrial area. There's no house or anything around there, and here's these two little girls. Well, every time I'd glance back over, they had stood up and they were getting a little closer. And I, I never saw them move, but they were obviously moving because they were closer every time I looked. And finally, they got up to where they were under a street light that was there in the, this parking lot in this 
medical center, and I could see their faces, they, their eyes. They, it's like they didn't have any eyes. It was just these huge black spots. Uh, one of them was taller than the other. I'm guessing she was probably maybe 13, 14. The other one was probably 9 or 10. Uh, they both were dressed similarly, just very plain clothes, hoodies. Um, the, the smaller one didn't speak, but the taller one didn't stop. It was almost like a litany. She was like, he'll give us a ride. He won't leave us out here. He'll take us with him. He'll let us in his car. And this just continued on and on and on. And they keep inching a little closer. And finally, by the time I got everything shoved in my trunk, I was scared at this point, got in my car. They were right up to the car door on the passenger side. Still, he, he'll let us go. He, he won't leave us out here. It's dark. It's scary. It's cold. On and on and on. Never stopped. And uh, I actually got in. I fumbled with my keys. I floored the car and actually went down through the lawn of the place and jumped the curb just to get away from them. And, Dave, it was the most irrational fear that I've ever had. The two little girls. I mean, that was weird circumstances. But it was like this total fight or flight thing, except there was no fight. It was pure right. flight. And I just it came off of them in waves, this fear, this anxiety. And uh, the whole way home, and I was staying at a girlfriend's house uh, it was just a couple of miles away because I could go there and be on time for my other gig in the morning. Ten seconds. But I went to my parents' house, which was like 20-something miles away. Drove like 100 miles an hour down Pilsippi Parkway. And I kept looking over my shoulder like I was going to see him run along behind me or no. I was going to look over in the seat and see him. Went to my parents' house, parked behind the house, and uh, stayed up until daylight looking out the windows and then called oh. in sick to my other job. I don't blame No you. idea. Scared the crap out of me. That's the most frightened I've ever been to something that wasn't even really that frightening. But that's what they gave off, just waves of it. Steve, I want to bring you back in October for some creepy stories, if you don't mind. Absolutely. And we will we will set that date, my friend. Thank you for coming on in. 13 past midnight, Steve Stockton. Get all his books on Amazon. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone tuning us in on YouTube, LGAB, Revolution Radio, Spreaker, Facebook, Twitch, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the woo train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.